Today is Monday, June 5th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. So today, we cover a wide range of topics. So we start out talking about the cult of the World Mission Society Church of God with, uh, apparently, Jesus Returned. Um, the name is Christ Ong Yang Song. So um, that's a cult. We talk about that a while. Then we talk about supposed contradictions in the lineage of Jesus. All it needs is a simple explanation, and the guy gets it. Then we talk about LGBT theology. I'm a little confused what exactly that means. I We ironed it out in the end uh, where he's going with that. It's about where we thought. Uh, Jesus' DNA sequence. Out of you know 23 and 23 chromosomes, what happened to Jesus? If you know his, his father is spiritual and heavenly and not earthly, is Jesus missing part of himself? Mm, well... Let's talk about that. And then politics and church. Where do we draw the line? Should there be a line? Should the line be drawn uh, for one or the other? Should churches like declare that people must vote for a candidate or political party? Should they encourage it but not uh, not forcefully? Should they just abstain completely? Uh, let's talk about that a while. And then multiple wives. No matter how bad someone wants to justify multiple wives um, using the Bible, they, they really can't. Um, so it, it's kind of like uh, the other topics how people will twist scripture to kind of justify what the Bible calls sin, even if that means omitting whole swaths of scripture so they can justify what they're doing rather than do what the Bible says. That's kind of the same thing. So this, this one guy, well, we really tried, but um, if you want multiple wives, talk to him. But uh, yeah, the Bible and everyone else disagree with, with him, but um, he really wants multiple wives. So uh, anyways, we talk about that, and then we talk about a whole lot more stuff in between. So check it out. Uh, share these links. Share this podcast if you would pretty please. Check out the Ask a Christian merchandise uh, store. Grab a t-shirt, support the cause. This is not free. Um, (laughs) Well, it is for you. It's not for me. Um, And you can also click the donate link. All these links are available in the podcast description. You can check that out. And what's the last thing? Yes, check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. If you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription, you can read it for free. Uh, So we, we tried and failed today. I tried to piece together my equipment. I was going to try to up my game and do this podcast in a visual format as well as audio, so people have something, I guess, my ugly mug to look at, uh, more than just an image on the screen. But I thought it would be neat to be able to show people what I'm doing in real time, so uh, I can I can give little tutorials while I'm looking stuff up. They can see the tools I use, where I go, which, you know, is nothing special. Um, Bible Gateway, BlueLetterBible.org, Codex Sinaticus, like, you know, th- there's all these websites that are free and excellent tools to use. So, uh, yeah, anyways, I tried to do a visual podcast. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> the equipment I have does not work. So, uh, if you would like to donate, it will be well spent. And then maybe we'll be able to do that and let people see a screen besides just uh, just hearing voice uh, voices. <laughs> hearing voices. Anyways, take care, enjoy this broadcast, and we will see you all later. But, man, Chris S. left. And that's what I really wanted to get to. Um, Chris S. is on like a really weird cult called Hebrew Roots. And that's what I really, really wanted to talk about. Hebrew Roots? What is that one? Uh, So Hebrew Roots is this weird cult that um, believe, like, for instance, that the New Testament was written in um, Aramaic and then translated to Greek, and that the entire Christian church has been wrong about Christianity for 2,000 years. Well, you know what? 
that's what I wanted to talk to you about because um, over the weekend, I have uncovered a new cult. I actually sent you the link. I don't know if you had time to check it out um, if you wanted to punish yourself, but much like the Hebrew roots, which I've never heard of, I've never heard of the following. Have you heard, has anyone heard of World Mission Society Church of God and their leader, apparently is Jesus, Christ Anasonghong? Anyone heard of that? Oh, is this a South Korean one? No. Yep. Yes, it is. I knew I, I, I was I had faith in you and you did not disappoint. Yes. So what can you tell us about that? Because I, I was on my um, I was on Facebook, you know, doing God's work. Um, and I was um, I, I was answering like you know, some questions in, in chat. And um, this this guy started like personal messaging me with all these like uh, all these scriptures kind of like baptized, like out of context. And he's like, uh, you poor soul, you need, I should just read the message. It's like, you need to come to the light. The church has been misled. You're all deceived for thousands of years. Like, what's it say about the second coming in 70 AD? And it says, Jesus has already came back. And it was this guy. And uh, I'm like, wow, bro, wow. So I just like answered him some scripture. I'm like, you know, everyone's going to see him coming in the clouds. He's like, oh, that's, that's what's wrong. Here's a YouTube video. Anytime someone answers a religious question with a YouTube video, like red flag. Um, so I, I watched it hoping I could skip forward. But I watched it from the cult page, so I couldn't. So I had to sit there and like learn a little bit of history about this Christ Unsung Hung guy uh, that apparently was born in 1948, the same time like Israel became a nation, and um, that is the second coming of Christ, according to them. So the things I did learn that are positive from the uh, reviews from the former members are apparently there was no mass calls for suicide, um, but there is mandatory tithing. Um, and apparently not to, like sexual allegations of abuse. Those are a mixed bag. So maybe, maybe not. So I, I guess one positive thing they have going for them is no one's calling for mass suicide yet. So anyway, that's what I learned about it. I was no, looking, no one, I was just looking you, at the Wikipedia page. It's, it's, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, everything about it just screams of, of cult. Like it, it, it doesn't read that much differently. Like if you, if you, if you, if you do a search of um, like Jehovah's Witnesses, the Watchtower Bible Tract Society, right? Um, this reads the same, like, like not, not as kind of like Jesus reborn, but it, it just reads the same way of a, just a religion just manufactured out of thin air. It's, it's fascinating. Oh, you have a cult in my town that uh, the 12 tribes of Judah, that they make like these, delicious restaurants and you go eat there but they also are really appealing because they live on communes and like grow their own food i'm kind of thinking of joining nate can What's you up? hear me do you believe do you believe in this uh this lgbt sort of theology wait before uh, we get to that bit. if we're changing the topic anise had a question a long time ago in the chat and i invited him up so i i would probably jump to him if we're taking more questions oh okay i'm i'm intrigued guts but yeah if uh, steph already promised the question or someone else uh yeah anise what's up we'll get right to you guts hi thank you thank you guys do you hear me well yeah we do Thank you so much. So my question about Matthew uh, chapter uh, 1, verse 16, and Luke chapter 3, verse 23. Uh, and I think your question there. was about the lineage. 
of Joseph. Yes, the stepfather of uh, Jesus Christ, uh, Joseph. Okay, what was the ever? Uh, okay, well, yeah. So it's a question about the lineage. Yes. So if Matthew, uh, and Matthew say, and Jacob begot Joseph, husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So Jacob. Uh, so Joseph is the son of Jacob. And in Luke, now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Heli. So here, Joseph is the son of Heli, not the son of Jacob. So that's a contradiction for me. Can you explain it, please? Ooh, I'd, I'd take that one. Oh, go ahead, Serendipity. Uh, short answer, no contradiction. Uh, Serendipity, go ahead. Yes, short answer, no contradiction. Matthew shows the legal lineage of Jesus Christ through the line of Joseph, which had a curse on it, but he still needed to be established as the legal um, heir to the throne. And Luke shows the maternal lineage of Jesus Christ, which is the bloodline through Mary. There you go, Anise. And I would say in short, like even if, go ahead, Anise, if you wanted to say something else. Uh, I am sorry, maybe my English is bad, I cannot understand. So, um, I cannot understand the sister here, but how, like, Joseph is the son of Jacob, and there is uh, Joseph is the son of Heli. How can be in the same book? Yeah, I think specifically you're saying that Joseph's father had two names, is what you're having an issue with. Uh, I uh, read the study book of uh, the Bible. They never see, say that, like, he has two names, the father of Joseph. Mm, the study book of the Bible. Cool. What was that? Sorry, Sorry no, yeah, I didn't well, mean, well, that wasn't the answer. Well, I meant to clarify your question, is that two different people with two different names are identified as Joseph's father, not, not a legal or, or maternal lineage question. I think it was just the yeah. So since you said since you said English is not your first language, let's let's try to simplify it. Chris, I would love if you can explain because I'll butcher it. How basically like one lineage uh, because there's like the prophecy that says no one will sit on the throne of this king, and by Joseph being the adoptive father, that lets Jesus still be from the tribe or still be from the lineage of David. Yet also doesn't break the prophecy that says no one will be king in this lineage. So right. that takes care of that. If you could. So Simply the curse of that, Jeconiah is what you're talking about. That and one. Yes. So I think that his question is materially different from that. So, um, right. His question is that there seems to be an error in the genealogy when you look at who the grandfather of Jesus is. Okay. There's, he's, he's saying that there's a discrepancy in the scripture. Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. Okay. Right. So there is no discrepancy. And so I don't know what the, the Bible of whatever knowledge or something that you're reading from, it seems to be like a, a Muslim website is what you're getting this from. Um, <clears throat> so the, the answer um, is a bit more complex than that and how we deal with Jewish genealogy. So I'm going to post it um, in the chat what the answer is, and you can go there and just read the answer in the chat because it's, it's pretty long. Wait, what is it? I want to know the answer. I'll post it in the chat. You can go read it. Well, can you I'm sum not going to read it for you. It's uh, like three pages long. 
okay, for example, I'd be like, there's no contradiction because of the following sentence. Hey, Jesus summed up the law with love God and love your neighbors yourself. You can sum up this in like 15 <laughs> seconds. I know you're not Jesus, but you're also not summing up the entire Bible. Feel like a, I mean, there's like I feel like visual charts. Down there, Nate. <laughs> there's What's like that? I mean, uh, okay, so it's your time to shine, bro. We believe in you. We got this. Yeah, I'm just trying to I'm trying to figure out a way to sum this up. So, if you look at the at the text, one of the accounts Matthew says that J Jacob begat Joseph, whereas the other account says that Eli was the father of Joseph. As with most claims of contradictions in the Scripture, they exist only because the claimant insists on specific interpretations of the verses in question, when reasonable non-contradictory interpretations exist. And so there's this so there's this idea that there is a and, and, and Steph alluded to this, the, the, between the legal and the bloodline, okay? And so there's a whole chart. Right, so Eli, or Healy, died childless, okay? But because of what we have in terms of um, the uh, idea of the kinsman redeemer that everybody loves so much in Ruth is that the child, Jacob, get they are, or I'm sorry, Jacob is essentially the kinsman redeemer for Eli because they both had the same wife and then Joseph came from that. Okay, so under jo Jewish law, Joseph would have been Jacob's biological son, but Eli's legal son because of the idea of the kinsman redeemer. Okay, so oh, there you go. There, there you go. But that's, but it is very. It is very nuanced, and so I would encourage people to read the article that I will post. Yes, and Samuel, I saw you had one question, but I promised Guts would get to him. Uh, Guts, your question is intriguing. You said LGBT theology, but what? Oh uh, yeah, you mean you question about, with Anise like... and say make sure that he understood that and that that was satisfying. Well, I, I doubt it. I doubt he did, and I doubt it would be because he he didn't quite get what serendipity said. So I really think the best the best thing is to actually read that article. I don't think there's going to be anything else we're going to be able to explain. Correct me if I'm wrong, Anise, but I think your help will be to slowly read through the article if you care. Well, just um, making sure, Anise, both men had a relationship to Joseph, and one was counting blood, and one was counting a legal relationship. So there's there is no contradiction there. So, you got it? Yes, thank you so much for this explanation. Thank you. Of course. All right, Mr. Guts. But yeah, I'm new to Christianity. I'm a Catholic, so I might not understand everything, but my, like, I don't <laughs> know if you... to 100. <laughs> I don't know if you agree with the, uh, like, LGBT stuff, the, theolo the theology, but... There's a lot of Bible verses that clearly say that that's wrong. Uh, we can examine one if you want. We could look at, I don't know if you want to do this one from the Old Testament, uh, but what about Romans one twenty six? What about that one? You want, well, you so want to examine I, that? Huh? Well, I mean, we may not need to because we may be on the same page, but I mean, as far as LGBT theology, if you're saying how some people make a case that that's cool with God and not sin, then I'd say perhaps what you're trying to point to 
is the same thing I'd point to and say, no, God calls lots of things sins. So, and, you know, the LGBTQIA plus BIPOC two spirit, we can't say like every thing in the alphabet soup is inherently a sin because if there's like, I don't know, someone is fluid somewhere in there, the Bible didn't speak to it. And it's not inherently a sin because it's between you and yourself. You're not changing your, your, you're not changing anything. You're not having sex with anyone. So like, and if you're like, you know, a biracial person of color, I mean, that's not a sin. That doesn't inherently have to do with sex with anyone. So I'd want to be really nuanced when we're talking about the LGBTQIA plus whatever stuff. I think we need to add a P to that now. <laughs> Bonus points for who gets that. But um, yeah, so not everything in the alphabet is inherently sinful. But yeah, the main stuff, like, you know, if you're a gay person, you're like, homosexuality is cool. God says so. Here's the Queen James Bible. Um, or, you know, I'm a chick who likes chicks and, you know, I don't care about marriage either, by the way, or I'm a straight white male and I like, you know, a, a straight female and I want to have lots of straight sex. That's also a sin. Um, outside of marriage, you know, fornication, um, straight people have problems too. So yeah, the Bible is very clear. But about these like, are you accepting so, of these gays and like, especially them, like, uh, being like, they're being gay pastors and like this whole um, this stuff that's coming up about like a lot of the LGBT people who are like using Christianity, they're trying to say that, you know, they can still be Christian if they're gay and stuff like that, that you don't agree with any of that, right? Correct. If someone, um, about the Christian pastor thing, I, I mean, I would refer the same thing I would refer to when people say how, you know, women can't be pastors for the Bible. And by the way, lots of dudes can't be pastors per the biblical prescription, like not just any guy can be a pastor there, there's really strict requirements so i would say first of all that and then as far as as far as can someone be gay and be a christian what do you mean by that you have urges towards the same sex but you're never going to act on them you know you're repentant you're you know um, renewing your mind with the word you're, you're following christ you're you're not living a life of sin you've renounced that yet you still have urges that you have to keep in check i'd say if that's what you're saying then fine, great. You're, you have a struggle just like everyone else. If you're saying, no, I'm gay and gay is the way. And you know, God, God is cool with that. Or you know, it doesn't matter if God's cool with that. I'm going to do what I want. And you know, sure, Jesus, whatever. I'd say, no, that's, that's bad. That's a terrible, prideful, um, arrogant mindset. And we see lots of people for non-sexual reasons falling also when they get in that type of hubris and mindset and it's their way, um, over God's way. So, I yeah, I guess maybe I just made uh, assumptions based off your picture. I shouldn't have made those assumptions that I just thought that you were accepting of like the LGBT stuff. In oh books. no, let me. Oh, oh yeah, let me let me explain this. I I keep getting myself in pick in trouble with my my profile pictures. Okay, so if I was, <laughs> wow. I mean, I guess it's conversation starters, so I shouldn't stop. But no, it's quite the opposite. So the larger meme I saw, if you could zoom out, it shows for the people who can't see, it shows a picture of like the blood, the Egyptians, uh, you know, and the Israelites putting putting blood over the doorpost to protect the firstborn from the death angel. And it has that picture, but instead of the blood of the lamb, it has the LGBT colors, the rainbow colors. And if you zoom out, the caption says it's woke corporations, uh, painting the blood or painting the rainbow over their doorpost. So they'll be protected from the woke angel of death. Um, so it is, <laughs> that's, that's the larger uh, PTR okay. if I was able to zoom out. I just out. had one more like quick question. It's not super long, but like, uh, are you Catholic? I'm not. Okay. That's okay. You'll come home one day. And likewise. <laughs> My estranged brother, fired. likewise. Shots fired. So uh, you, well, could put in, Sam... you could put some text in your PTR, Nate, and say protection from the uh, 
the woke ethic. Uh, you're chopping out pretty badly. I heard what you said. If someone wants to edit my PTR, I'm happy to replace it. But you are chopping out a little bad. I'd like to hear from you if you can fix that. But Samuel, you have a question. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I I don't I'm I'm not coming on stage to do like these gotcha questions. All right. I just it, you know I just thought about this just recently, and I'm surprised it took me so long to just even think about it. I'm a biology major and I'm a doctor. Okay. The reason I'm mentioning this is because each individual here has 23 chromosomes from their mother and 23 from their father. Now, when they say that the Holy Spirit was put into Mary and Jesus was born, fine. So 23 chromosomes were coming from Mary. Where did the other 23 chromosomes, are they the God DNA sequence? How, um, what, what? Can we start keeping a tally, Nate, of how many times we're asked this question? Because I think this is actually the third time in the past. Third oh, time? I think it's like the but ninth time. Oh, it's fine, Samuel. No, no, not today. Oh, oh no. Common, like, all of a sudden. I hadn't heard this question for a year, and now this question is circulating. It keeps coming back to us over and over. Well, I mean, it sounds oh, like we know where we're going, Samuel, but would you like to, yeah, would you like to go ahead and finish your question? And then it sounds no, no, like uh, Steph I, is all over this. Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> want to know the other, this, this quote unquote, the Holy Spirit, what, what, what DNA sequence is it? I mean, you can't function without 46 chromosomes. Go for it, Steph. Oh, uh, right. So, so I, I'm assuming you're not a Christian. Is that correct? No, I, I, I was, I am from a Christian family, but I have become agnostic. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. Um, so, so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make little of the question. It is a good question. It's just must be the topic of conversation in a lot of places because it keeps on coming here. And like I said, I haven't heard it before. Um, so we're not so interested in that, right? Because the God who numbers the hair on your heads and created um, the stars that will never even know exist and has control over how many breaths uh, insects take or whatever, you know, th this is not... A, a challenge that would be a puzzle to him, right? Now, that being said, of course, Jesus, as a functional man who walked and ate and had uh, higher brain function, he, he, of course, needed to have the correct amount of chromosomes. Um, so however God did it, that is the result. He had the exact correct DNA sequence and, uh, and, and, and all of this that a human being would need. But it's not that difficult. Like he, he would have done it the same way he did creation. Right. So I don't, I don't know why this is such a question for people. It's like the yeah. same, how would he have done it? We don't know the same way that he did creation. That's, that's the answer. Yeah. Samuel, I would just say like, you know, if you don't believe it, it's fine, but you know, if in, I mean, it's not fine. You should, but it's your choice. But I mean, if we go back to what the Bible says about Adam and Eve, why do we have 23 and 23 chromosomes anyways? Like where did that happen? Like, I mean, even even for whatever you believe, it had to happen somehow. So, um, you know, if we believe God literally made a person out of a rib and a dust, why why all the chromosomes? Why not more? Why not less? Why not in a different sequence? Um, so I would say from the origin, we don't know why we, we things happen the way they did. They just did. So I'd say when we invoke, like Steph said, the God that created everything in existence, he has probably got a handle on this. That may sound unsatisfactory, but remember, under the Christian paradigm, we're talking about a God that's responsible for everything in, in existence, material, spiritual, that you probably discount, but everything in existence. So putting himself in a human flesh and bones skin suit, um, 
is well within the abilities of said god. Okay, that's fine. It's faith-based. Okay, I'll take that. That's fine. Thank you. No, well, so it's, okay, so that wasn't a hand wave. It's that if you're going to be consistent, then these are, it's almost like, the, the question is akin to, well, why did, why did God make grass green and not teal? Well, it, it's like an inconsequential kind of irrelevant question that doesn't, I guess we could delve into what are the reasons that grass is green and why would God have done this and then chlorophyll, chlorophyll and all of that. Like it, you can dig into it, but it does, it's like so inconsequential. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, okay, God gave Jesus 23 chromosomes and uh, he, or whatever, to, like, I'm not a biologist. God gave Christ exactly what he needed. Okay. And it's inconsequential. Like, did they glow because they were from God? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're, you know, if we looked at them under a microscope, would they look different? Maybe we'll never know. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not a hand wave. Like you have to accept on faith. It's like, there's just no way to answer it. And also it's not that important. And also now we apparently don't know what a woman is. So just saying for the record. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Both. Clarifying again. I'm not saying magic, Gary. I'm not saying magic. I'm saying the question is unanswerable. And so laboring over it, what would Jesus's DNA have looked like? We just don't. Interesting question. I would love to know. Answering well, it, it in Ask a Christian on Clubhouse, how do you expect, like, what did what did caveman do? Like, I, I don't know, man. That's just like a crazy question. Well, and also, Samuel, like, I don't, like, I, I feel like we're being dismissive. But, I mean, from our, our, our perspective, the answer is so, is so just one sentence um god that i mean i i don't want to be dismissive but also to entertain it like i'll throw out a couple possibilities what if he doesn't have 23 chromosomes i mean you know that may i mean he was fully god fully man but just for example what if in some way he he was missing chromosomes and it was sustained because he's god and you know some spiritual manifestation i i don't know so there's lots of things like even you as a non-believer could probably hypothesize in the next 15 minutes and we could come up with like some probably things that we could all agree to but that means all of our building blocks and all of our premises would have to be correct and there's no way to know that so you know you could construct something i if you're a, whatever you said a doctor or whatever you're probably a smart guy i have faith that from our christian bible that you now don't believe um you could probably construct some ideas um where this could be possible like the first thing that comes to my head for something that we'll never know is what if he has no chromosomes or whatever? What if he's a fully God and fully man in every single way? But if you look at his chromosomes, there are none because God, maybe it's a bright shining light that will blind you. I, I don't know. Um, so we could probably come up with some less ridiculous sounding things than that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good our explanation is. If it's false, it's false. And there's no way, no way to know that. Um, but I do appreciate the question. But yeah, our answer is very, very simple, albeit perhaps unsatisfying. Well, I think I think it's actually interesting. I, I, I don't necessarily view it as uh, as hand waving away, but I think it does tie back to you know like the Hebrews eleven six right. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So so when I, f I forget who it was that, that asked the question, I wasn't looking at my phone at the time. Um, but you know, it's like it, it's a it's a matter of faith. Like I mean, it, it it's. I don't think he was hand waving it away either to say it's a matter of faith, but it is a matter of it is a matter of faith. You you believe it because God. Um, I I think it's just looking like just talking past one another. Like 
he says, okay, it's a matter of faith. And you take it as a matter of faith because like Nate, I've heard you say a million times, you know, if, and, and you said it in fact, just a minute ago, if the God who created everything, you know, took dust and made man, which yeah, well, we could talk about that, but it's like, if, if you believe, if you take something like that on faith, then yes, that it is, it is a non-issue, right? If the God of the Bible is real and everything in the Bible as it's written is true, there's nothing in the Bible that is beyond trivial, right? Everything is just a go, you know, a donkey speaking. Well, if God, no problem, right? But it's that it's a taking it on the matter of, of faith. And I think, you know, you, you can take it as a matter of faith and it can say, oh, and someone else can look at it and say, okay, you take it as a matter of faith. When someone tells me they accept something on faith, I, I don't, I don't say, well, that's dumb. Um, inside, I think, well, okay, I, I don't think it's a good reason for you to accept it, but hey, man, it's yours to accept it for, for whatever reason you accept it. Yeah. And there's two different sides, like as a Christian who has a, a life of experiencing, you know, my existence, um, it's much easier for me to think, you know, because I believe the con the belief is the espousal that we have this connection to our divine creator. And it's it's something like spiritually tangible. So for someone who denies the spiritual existence or anything, it's very difficult to explain because they see it. And I understand their position is like some sort of, you know, blind, blind faith. You just believe it because the book tells you to. But and they're also starting like when we start with the chromosomes of Christ or talking donkeys, it's like, well, if you start there and just say, well, just God, sure, you can say that for any religion. You can say that for anything and say just God. Um, and then you're never going to like probably work your way to Jesus, which is the, the main point. So if we start from these like really, really far out points that have nothing to do with Jesus, like talking serpents or whatever, or the chromosomes of Jesus, um, and then we work back to what's the ultimate point of the Bible, and it's Jesus, death, burial, resurrection, your God wants a reconciled creation to himself uh, to live blissfully forever in heaven. Um, if we, if that's like the end goal, that's backwards. And it just seems like walking so far uphill that someone's very unlikely to get there versus if we start with doing the thing the say, the prescription, Michael, I know. Um, the guy in the book says, exercise a little faith, ask him the things he says that we must have. We must ha to have eternal life. We must be born again. We need to repent, believe the gospel. Jesus, God came in flesh, death, burial, resurrection. If we believe that, we confess Jesus as Lord. We stop doing what we know we shouldn't do. Ask him to save us, forgive us, make us born again and give us eternal life. Like exercise faith, do that, believe that. Then things start clicking. And, you know, you can say brainwashing as many people throw out brainwashing, like, you know, atheists have brainwashed themselves, Christians have brainwashed themselves, blah, blah. Um, as many people as legitimately brainwashed themselves, I'm sure there's there's plenty, but I don't think it's nearly as high. I think people are capable of navigating, you know, themselves and their minds um, a little bit better than we give ourselves credit for. Um, anyways, it's whenever we start doing these things, then things in the Bible, but kind of you read it a different way. You read it through a different lens. Maybe it's you read it through a faith based lens. Or, or whatever, but you're going to lead it with some kind of lens. The goal is to read it with as clear as lens as possible. Um, and I feel that once we start doing the thing the guy in the book says to do, it's going to link together a lot better. And then you have Christians who are like, yeah, Jesus says he's God. And he's like, no, no, he never makes that claim. And it's like, well, somehow when Christians read it, it's different. Like things just click differently together that we see it plain as day. Kind of like the parables in like John 9. I'm almost done. Didn't need to preach. When the disciples say, you know, tell us plainly, you know, are you the Christ? And they go on and they say, why do you talk in riddles? Why do you tell these people things in riddles that they can't understand plainly? And he says, for some, it's God's good, God's good pleasure to keep this stuff hidden. He didn't say, I mean, he just straight out says it, to hide it from these people. So he doesn't say, you know, 
make it where if they try hard enough, they'll find He's like, no, it's to hide it from people. So, so to some people, it's meant to be revealed. They're going to get it to other people. They're just not. Um, and our hope is as many as can get it, will get it. Um, so, I mean, that's why we, that's why we pretty much start and end with Jesus exercise, faith, follow him, take to heart what the guy says and do it. I don't even know where we're going. I didn't mean to preach. Sorry for the. So, Nate, no, I, I, just wanted... I just have. Oh, go ahead. Oh, before I leave, oh, sorry. Nate, I, I just have a question. Um, like if we're going to ask the, the question about God's DNA, right, then then the, what the questioner is doing is they're already accepting that an angel has come to Mary and impregnated her. So that's why this question is confusing for me. And I, I really don't like hand waving answers. I don't believe there are many hand-waving answers in the Bible. The closest we get to it is it doesn't say, so we can't answer, right? I don't like, like, we accept that just on faith, that there are very few things that come down to that. Like Trinitarian doctrine is one where I would say, okay, this is where we have to make a leap, but there are many things to get to before we get to the doctrine of the Trinity, right? With this one, it's like the questioner is saying, okay, so an angel came to Mary and Mary became pregnant um, by this announcement through the Holy Spirit. And so what happened to the DNA? It's almost like I, I have so many questions about this question because you're already accepting the impossible. And then the simplest part of the equation, which is God is the author of DNA and created it, is the part that's tripping you up. I guess I just, I never understand this question when I hear it. It's uh, simply, Monica, I, dig I mean, the, the answer to the question is that it is simply a special creation. The incarnation is a special creation. That's it. That That's that's the point. This is not complicated. Glad you like it. Hopefully less trouble from it. <laughs> well, Nate, so, I, I, uh, so I just wanted get to get my humor. Uh, I just wanted to yes, comment on something that you said about people not getting it. There was this room like two weeks ago where Bob was in it, you know, our famous Bob. And uh, Matt Slick was in there. And Matt Slick broke down for 30 minutes all the verses about Jesus and the Trinity and why he should believe. And Bob's answers were still, you believe that? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and, and to Rich, Rich, here's the thing, is that the questioning of Mosaic authorship is from the documentary hypothesis. Okay, Wellhausen is the one who came up with the documentary hypothesis and what you're doing is burden shifting one guy and then a whole bunch of other people after him questioned mosaic authorship after 4,000 years of people just saying Moses wrote the Tanakh or I'm sorry, the, the Torah. And so then now it's like, well, now you've got to prove um, that Moses wrote the Torah. No, I don't. You have to prove that Moses did not write the Torah. And that is what has been going on with the documentary hypothesis. And that is why there are responses to the documentary hypothesis that for thousands of years, and again, it says it in the text that Moses wrote the Torah. Okay. Um, for thousands of years, people are like, yeah, of course, Moses wrote the Torah. And then in the 19th century, somebody comes along and questions that. And suddenly now Christians are on the defensive where we have to answer the skeptics. And I don't have to answer you. You have to present a positive argument as to why Moses did not write the Torah. Period. End of story. Chris, do you think that that translates through to others? So like, for example, and the reason I ask this, and, and like, I, I don't have a horse in this race. I don't care who, who you think wrote the Bible. Like, I don't care. Um, but it, it's because when it sounds like what you're saying, and I don't think you are, 
but it sounded like what you're saying was basically, we make this claim and now you have to show how that's not the case. But if- No, it's the opposite. Somebody else is making a claim against an established fact. Okay, so so what you're doing, so, so, what you're, so, so what I'm saying is, everybody believes the earth is round. You are taking a flat earth position and now you're telling me that I have to prove that the earth is round, that the burden is on me when you've got the minority crazy person position. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So now, I, okay. I have a more clear understanding. Yeah. I didn't think that was what you said because if, if that's what you said, it would have been problematic. So yeah. Thanks for clarifying it. And real quick, let me just, let me just read the parable since we're already on it or not the parable, but the, the thing I'm talking about, it's in Matthew 13. I'm not going to read it all, but if someone wants to know some actual scripture, The disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of of Isaiah is fulfilled that says the same thing. Uh, Seeing, Having eyes you won't see, and having ears you won't hear. but I mean, I, th- I think that's the answer for a lot more things than we'd like to admit, um, even though we try, right? It's like the Trinity. Like, I-, I still am perplexed that people can't understand the concept. They act like they're so confused and bewildered. I'm like, even if you don't believe it, you should understand the idea of it. And a lot of them don't. So I'm like, well, I guess this is just, you know, spiritual discernment. The Bible, you know, score one for the Bible and Nate zero. I think this is our answer a lot of times. It's like, well, you know, why, why are things so uh, ambiguous, it seems? I mean, maybe this is it. Like for the one who is meant to get it, um, it's just so clear. It's like clear as day. And for the ones that are not meant to get it, even though I feel like they should just read with their eyeballs and be like, oh, okay, I don't have to believe it. But yes, I totally see it here. Jesus claims he's God. I don't believe it. I think it's corrupted. I think it's wrong. I think it's all lies. But you should be able to see it. But I don't get it. I don't understand how you can get that Jesus is God from that. I'm like, something I get, maybe that's it. Interesting, because we could, we could play this out because there's a guy in the audience named Renaissance Man who wants to make, you know, one of these completely insane claims, you know, that the New Testament was written in Aramaic and that, you know, the church has been wrong for 2,000 years and they've Let's been do covering it. up all this stuff. And it's like, you know, it's kind of like the, what I was talking about with the flat earther. It's like, you know, you know, yeah, the earth is flat. Now you got to prove it's round. And it's like, I have to do no such thing. You have to prove that the earth is flat, Sparky. Because you're coming from the minority position that is over and against all evidence that we have had from time immemorial that the New Testament was written in Greek, you know, and what I've heard is they've got a couple of like very questionable church father quotes about a possible proto gospel of Matthew in Aramaic. Um, And that's about what they've got. So, you know, over and against the testimony of tens of thousands of people talking about the Greek New Testament. It's just, you know, it's just one of those things that it's just in, in, in it's, it's insane. You know? Well, I invited Renaissance uh, so we can punish ourselves if you'd like to speak Renaissance. Otherwise, there's like a ton of you in here. So if someone has a question or comment or a topic, uh, type it in chat or better yet, just jump up on stage. By the way, yeah, good to see you, M and Selena. And hey, Jimmy. Hey, Mark. Haven't seen some of you guys in quite a while. Um, Renaissance says he's on a stage fast, so he can't come up. (laughs) 
I mean, I don't know if whatever God you follow would forgive you, but ours probably would be okay with that. Um, stage fast. Well, hey, Sean, what's up? Good morning. I think you're the only one that has not spoken. And maybe it will continue to be that way. <laughs> good morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, interesting conversations uh, this morning uh, from the question about Jesus' bloodline and the question about chromosomes. I think all the questions were interesting and, and very respectful. Uh, and this is why the Bible tells us to always have an answer when someone asks about the faith that is in us. Well, uh, I'm on. I'm. This is my. I'm. On, I'm on vacation, so I'm enjoying my last day of vacation. I'm here in. I'm in Cleveland, Ohio, right now, just enjoying my own family. Well, um, happy vacation. Yes, it's been a wonderful vacation. I'm. This is my last day. I'm leaving a little. Leaving. Uh, this afternoon, heading back to Tennessee, but uh, went to a very uh, wonderful um, message. Uh, heard a very message, a wonderful message yesterday. Uh, and let me ask you what you think about this: America being a democratic republic, republic mainly being a democracy. And we, as believers, under a monarchy, and there was a there was a statement posed by the pastor that preached on yesterday, saying that when you are under a monarchy, you have to go by the rules of the monarchy. In the democracy, you get a vote, but guess what? Because of being in Christ, our vote is with Him. We don't have a vote. We just say, yes, Lord. That was the statement that was made. And I found it to be very uh, thought-provoking because here, here in the United States, Britain, France, Canada, we, we do vote things in and or send representatives to uh, represent us and, and our vote voting. Yet God never asked us to vote anything in. What do you think about that? Can you simplify that in a sentence? Like, should we vote or should we not? No, I'm not talking about uh, political voting. Trust me. <laughs> can you can you summarize okay, that? Okay, simplify it a little bit further. Let me simplify it. Let's see if I can simplify it a little bit further. Should we? Uh, came from First uh, Corinthians uh, six, where it says, "You are not your own; you are bought with a price." Uh, and since we are under the monarchy of the kingdom of God, should we fully follow the? the democratic system of America and or any democratic system in the in the, on a global scale because I know there are people who vote on there are people who vote on the global scale. Can you provide an example yes. of where those conflicts I, I, 
Uh, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a conflict. It I'm was very a, lost. It was a contrast. Should we follow the democratic system as opposed to what? Like I'm not talking about. Buildings? I'm not trying to say <laughs> opposition. Again, I, I want. I, I thought I made that clear in the beginning that I was not talking about an opposition. It was a contrast. It's a comparison. Okay, yeah, so for the contrast to be fleshed out, can you provide an, a tangible example of when that contrast exists? I think that would make Okay, okay. Uh, it was talked about the LG, um, you know, all, all those extra uh, letters that yep. keep going up. Uh, yeah, the, the, the alphabet uh, uh, letters keep going, keep, it, seems, it seems to keep growing. And now they added a plus sign. Under our law here in America, they have all the rights of a citizen as as anyone else. But under the kingdom rule, it goes against the rights of the citizens of the kingdom and the responsibilities of the citizens of the kingdom. Now, I hope that fleshes that a lot. But we're not in the kingdom. But, but are you talking about a married gay couple that is operating within the kingdom? As, Who's asking as, me that as question? As their favorite Christians? Who's asking or, me that question? No. Oh, oh brother. See, yo. Okay. Okay. No, no, brother. Um, uh, I think we may uh, have to let this lie. Like, people, yeah. are, people are tuning out, and I have no idea what we're talking about. So um, maybe maybe write this down or something. Like, I, 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 I ha I'm trying really hard, and I have no idea how to respond to this. I, I don't know. I, I can't figure it out. Um, maybe I think you've been on vacation too long. <laughs> but can, I, I don't know. Can you think of an example where someone else help them out? Like, I, I really want to okay, answer, I'll, but let, I have let, no let idea. Let me try to frame it. So let's say... There's a, gonna help. <laughs> let's say there's a gay married couple and then they attend church. Apostle, are you saying should we, should, you know, we don't the, the church all night need church, to kick them out? We don't like, assume anybody from attending church. Never, I never would never say that because everybody deserves to hear the gospel. Uh, I'm, what I'm saying is, okay. The laws of the land will say if a gay couple comes and asks me to marry them, but my beliefs say no. There's there's an example of kingdom versus under Great, the yes. kingship of, okay, of yeah, monarchy. The yeah. Yes. Follow the Bible. Follow the kingdom. Yes. Stick to your guns. Yes, exactly. Ah, hey. Glad we glad we solved that. <laughs> that was simple. Uh, Oh, where's that guy that said he was a doctor? Maybe you can tell me what's going on in my lungs still. Um, you enjoy the rest of your vacation. Uh, let's see. I, I think it's interesting. I, I think the possible, I, I would stand, like, I think I, I, I would agree with with the majority of people. I, I think if if you don't, like, if, if you have a strong conviction one way, then no, you shouldn't be quote unquote forced to, to marry someone, right? Um, but I, it's probably fair to say that um, uh, an, an LGBT couple is not going to walk into some rando fundamentalist church and say, hey, we demand you marry us. It's probably, Unless it's a stunt. 
Yeah, yeah, maybe, but I mean, like, yeah, I think it, like it would be like a goof or something. Like, I like no, like, like for example, we had, um, like we had a a, a secular marriage, my wife and I, and I specifically say you know, like we we met with with someone so like it's like you know, do we want this purely secular stuff? And the other thing, okay, cool, very very fine. Um, you know, it's like it, it's like we didn't want somebody marrying us who had these other beliefs either. Right. So it, it's probably it probably goes both ways. Right. Well, yeah. And you're a very generous person. Like you've got a very charitable hat you're wearing because um, I would say, you know, we see examples and, and sure, I, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want someone to marry me who didn't really agree with my views, uh, vice versa, because um, that's just weird. I don't I don't want to be in that kind of uncomfortable situation. But, you know, there are other people that like to poke the bear and they absolutely do that. And they get like some sense of power, like forcing other people to kind of go outside of what they would want to do. And getting the state involved. I mean, look, look at the bakery, right? I mean, we can talk about that some other day when hell freezes over. But I mean, you know, people, people, I think, get kicks sometimes from trying to force people to go outside of what makes them comfortable and do it, even if they have to, um, you know, get the state and the government to strong arm them into doing it. Um, but uh, hang on one second. Uh, Amara Warrior, before you take off, did you have anything to say? I don't think we spoke before. Yes. Hi. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. I just wanted to ask, as Christians, are we supposed to vote by party or are we supposed to vote by character? As a Christian, regarding that, you can do you could do whatever you want. The Bible says, you know, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. So if you vote for, you know, I think there's decent biblical evidence to just say, hey, let the world burn. Stay out of it. Don't worry about it. Like the Amish people, like come out from among them and be a separate very peculiar they nailed that people um great food great furniture um so i think there's some evidence to just abstain all the way but you can follow your conscience and you know presumably led by god if you're a christian and vote however you want i i find it very difficult uh for people that would vote for other people running on platforms like you know to uh, like very very hardline pro-choice um like very kind of extreme pro-choice positions or uh you know thing things like that I, I don't understand how they could vote for such a thing, um, but they're certainly free to exercise their vote for Caesar however they want. Uh, but biblically speaking, uh, I, I think, you know, you should follow the Bible as close as you can. I think. Um, right. The, the reason I'm asking that is because um, I felt like I voted for uh, Joe Biden um, because of the pressure that my church put on me. I felt like, right, no, I'm no longer a part of that church. And right now I'm very disappointed because as a Christian and an Amhara, um, Ethiopian American, because I emphasize Amhara, Ethiopian American, because right now there is an active genocide of Amhara genocide in Ethiopia. And I feel like the Biden administration has its hand on it. And I regret doing that uh, is what I'm saying, because the reason either we stay neutral or we vote by character. Um, I just wanted to emphasize that. Uh, I want to say something quickly. I, I don't think any church should be pushing any political candidate. Um, I, I don't, I mean, we can talk about topics like abortion or the death penalty, right? I've heard good sermons on these topics, but if I were sitting in a congregation and the pastor said, you must vote this way, I would see that as a massive problem. Uh, I probably would really have to confront that pastor or possibly not attend that church depending on the feeling in the congregation. 
that would right. be a red flag for me. Well, right. and, and mind you, it's illegal because yeah. a, a nonprofit is not right. To right. Say that. I, yeah, that too. Not necessarily that they they told me to vote for this, but I felt like I was pressured into voting. Um, right, like way. they said it without saying it. But right. Yeah. But but however, I am no longer a part of or a member of that church. But I'm just saying that the reason I brought that up is because I regret my decisions. Right. Um, so how do we refrain uh, from doing the same, or how do we even? I, um, I guess. I mean, you you regret your decision and you make sure that you don't make the same mistake or whatever but um i don't know how to decide for the, the church like the church stand on politics i feel like maybe um politically neutral or maybe abstain from political aspects uh, um, or what do you i mean how do you say i choose my next church okay i, I think i see what you're saying so I mean, someone mentioned the 501c3. I would, I have feelings about that. But how, how to choose your next church? I mean, if um, it was without the poli without the well, without the politics. Like, whenever I, I've traveled a lot, I've moved a lot of places. So whenever I choose a church, I usually just look up whatever churches are near me and close to right. me. I know a church alive is worth the drive. But I, I, I look up whatever's near me. I look at the reviews. I look at the good. I always look at the bad. I want to get an idea, of, like a real sense of the people. Um, so what they like about it are the things they like, like the color of the carpet and refreshments, or is it like biblically sound word of God? What are the things people don't like? They, um, the pastor called out things, the Bible is sin. Okay. Well, that's a plus. Um, so I want to see like biblical, I, I mean, the thing is to follow the Bible as close as we possibly can and Jesus. So whatever church, whatever reviews, whatever their church website says about their mission, their motto, um, I want to find the one that's closest, most close aligned to the Bible as I can tell. And once I've done that. I'll get a few and I'll visit it. And you're probably, they're probably not going to put a political stance on their website. You may read about it in the comments or reviews and hang on. You can be just a second, Adrian. Um, you may find it in the reviews, but you're probably going to have to go a few times before you hear anything political. I mean, there was actually, there was one church we went to, someone talked me into it and we showed up the first and last time we ever went there. It was absolute like Fauci's the devil, COVID, COVID, COVID the entire time. I mean, he said Jesus a few times, and I guess there was an altar call, but it was 100% political. And apparently, like we knew some people that continued to go there, it did not change until finally they left. So it was political from start to finish. Um, so yeah, I, I would I not was, go there. Yeah, I was a freshman in college and I found uh, a pamphlet or whatever, and that's how I connected. Yeah, but when it, so whenever it comes like my, my church, I, I actually like this about my church that I currently go to. Um, it. it it gets political only in the sense that it's forced to. And I thought that was, I, I thought it was good. Like it wasn't political for the longest time. We went there for like five years now, six years almost. And for the first few years, it was not really political. It was, it was very, very much just biblically based. And then in the last year, um, it got more politically charged. Not that the pastor was trying to make it political, but because, you know, of all the like stuff which we can argue about later going on with like the LGBTQIA plus agenda being pushed in schools among young ch kids and like the story time by certain drag queens that come into libraries and stuff and just the culture. So it's like, because culture is being like pushed so far in one direction, you know, it's like the pastor started like speaking about it from a biblical perspective. So not necessarily telling someone how to vote or something, but just really hammering home. Like, look guys, I don't want to be political. I hate politics, but this is what the Bible says. 
this is what you see outside every store you go into, every school almost you go into. So know what the Bible says. Like, I feel like government and church, you know, everyone has their lane and they should stay in their lane. But recently, um, government's been like moving over and over and over and getting in everyone else's lane. And it's like, I think it's the church's responsibility to not compromise their convictions, to stand true to what the Bible says. And if that's what prompts some messages that people see as politically charged, um, calling out sin and saying, you know, get back out of our lane government, um, freedom of religion, stay over there. I appreciate that. Um, so I, I, rather than him being like, well, I can't talk about anything that political. So, uh, the LGBTQIA agenda stuff, nah, we're just not going to address that. I think that would be bad. So I, I guess uh, as much as I can say in Steph, someone else say something, but would really be know what the Bible says about issues and vote your conscience or completely abstain. Um, the last thing is people are flawed. So all we know is someone's voting record, uh, politicians, like by the time they're a politician at a high level, they're probably not a super great person. They've done some bad stuff, even the good ones. So you're taking a chance. So you do your diligence, find out their voting record and hope they're not lying to you and hope they're competent and everyone can be disappointed. Like uh, that's, that's all I can say. So follow the Bible. Yeah, Steph. Yeah, on that last point, remember when it comes to voting, right, we're not voting for a savior. We have one. We're not voting for a king. We have one. We're voting for somebody who's going to, um, we're voting for somebody who's going to fulfill um, like a job requirement, right? They're going to oversee the running of this nation. God is sovereign. He's going to use Joe Biden. He's going to use Donald Trump. He's going to use like whoever, whoever ends up there. Um, there, I don't think that you can, I don't think there's any point in having guilt or regret over a way that you voted. Um, voting is important. It's a thing that many people have died for. It's a staple of our country, right? And so it ought to be taken seriously. And the gravity of that isn't lost on me. However, God is still sovereign. So I wouldn't carry this around with you as though you've made some grave error or as though, you know, you've done something terrible. If you voted for Biden, God's going to use Biden. You know, it, it's just... Yeah, I don't carry that, right? That that's totally fine. And also, I know I voted for Trump again, not to be my savior. I think the man is absolutely abhorrent, um, but I preferred what he said his policies were. Um, and if the situation were flipped, I would vote. I've been a lifelong Republican or really a Libertarian, but as a Libertarian, I would vote for a Democrat if the if the policies lined up or if I thought that person was best for the job. So. Yeah, I'm not voting for a savior. I think that's the bottom line. I'm voting for like a, a CEO kind of person who's going to run the country and God's in control anyway. And that, that could have gone the other way. So, you know, take heart um, that, you know, I, I also voted for Trump in, in both times. But in 2016, when I voted for Trump and no one really knew, like he's been saying the same thing as long as I've been alive, because policy wise. So, I mean, he had a pretty good record. But regardless, he didn't have a political record. So a lot of us took a chance. Um, I had confidence if he said the same things for 30 years, he's probably not going to change. And he didn't. But, he, you know, as many people were saying, like, he's going to start the next world war. He's going to kill us all, blah, blah, blah. I would have felt pretty bad if that happened because I would have been like, well, I voted for him. Crap, that sucks. Um, turns out he didn't. We had more peace and prosperity than we were having. He's the best president of my lifetime. Just saying. But it could have broke the other way. And then you would be saying, you know, I'm, oh, I'm really glad I didn't vote for him because that would have been bad. And, you know, all of us who did would have been like, Oh man, that sucks. We we um that was bad. We feel guilty now because we played a part in voting for him. Um, so I mean, it could have gone the other way, but it didn't. Um, yeah, for the record. I know many Christians who I look up to and trust their theology and their faith who voted for Biden. 
So, you know, we disagree. I, I have questions for them, like how they reconcile certain things, but they have questions for me, like how I reconcile certain things with Trump. In the end, God is sovereign. Right. And when they talk about like Rich and Chat, like how, you know, the insurrection was the worst thing since the Civil what War. The? Whoa. Can we, are That's we going to go there? Whoa. Oh, did I say that out loud? I didn't mean to well, on. to be clear, Rich that. isn't the one that said that, but you've heard that, right? Like they said, the J6 was worse than, <laughs> was the worst thing that happened. Uh, yeah. The biggest attack on our government since the Civil War, not counting when, you know, the guys bombed Congress, um, not counting all these other things that happened. You know, all of the, okay, whatever. Uh, the riots all summer that broke down poor neighborhoods and destroyed That's the summer of love, Steph. Businesses. You shut your okay. bigoted mouth. That was, that was right. the summer of love, Steph. That was peaceful. I'm sorry. I, I care for disadvantaged, low-income neighborhoods. Bad, sorry, what would you say, Pastor Sam? <laughs> I was gonna say oh. I, I didn't know you were a libertarian, Stephanie. I'm a, I'm I, I am a self-proclaimed conservative libertarian. Yep. Um yeah. Um uh, I, I I abhor the hypocrisy of both parties. I think both of them are just two different arms of the same company. And um I just yeah, I, I just I am a how do you balance being a fundamentalist conservative? Uh but at the same time, you just don't want people to bother you because, I, I mean, people going to do what they want to do. Just don't bother me or tell me what I can't do or say. And I'm not going to tell you what you can't do or say, because um, if you want to do what you do, that's your business. Just don't force it on me or make me have to agree with it. Yep. Amen. And, you know, for that, like I OK, I have really on a political level, like I don't have a problem with gay marriage. I wouldn't have voted. In fact, the libertarian in me is like, stay out of their pocket, stay out of their house. The Christian in me is like, deliver them the gospel, deliver everyone the gospel. Right. So politically, I'm not as uh, like my dad is like a diehard Reagan conservative, you know. And so that's kind of what I grew up with. And I see the value there. But I'm much more like, look, if if voting for gay marriage is the price that I would pay and I don't even see it as that much of a price. But anyway, if, if holding that view is the price that I would pay to keep my freedom of religion and to have the same rights that they stay out of my marriage, then I'll vote for it all day. But again, God is sovereign. My, I'm very comfortable separating my political from my religious views. I have, I have a quick uh, a, uh, Well, hang on one yeah. second. Uh, Adrian, Adrian uh, I noticed him a minute ago. Um, Adrian, did you want to say anything? Then we'll get right to you, man. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, kind of. I, I was going to address someone's earlier mentions about uh, attending church. What I was going to say is, first and foremost, we must know what we believe. And then when we come across a church, and I think Judy stated, you, know, you can look at what their doctrinal statements are and see if it lines up with what you believe. And then once you attend the service, see how they function and operate what they teach to determine if it's a fit theologically. Um, very few times does someone call me up and say, hey, I'm looking for a new church. You know, what is your position on the atonement? You know, they want to know how big is your choir or does your pastor wear robes and all that silly stuff. You know, we really need to know what we believe and then see what that church believes and see if we line up. And I will say this, we're not going to always line up 100%. For example, my pastor believes you know, I believe my pastor is doctrinally sound, but he believes that uh, when the Bible talks about angels leaving their bow, that there may have been a race of people or a group of people who had babies with angels. I'm not there yet. 
know what I'm saying? I don't have a dog in that fight to say he's right or wrong. I just, as I read the text, I think there's more to it, and I, I'm not angels have sex with women and have babies. Now, I could be wrong. I, I'm just saying, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna leave the church over that particular issue because it's not a, to me, it's not an issue of salvation, um, and I don't think it's an issue that would lead someone into error, uh, and I mean egregious error. And he's not dogmatic about the point. He's like, you know, this is what I think is going on here. Um, you don't agree, that's fine. You can study the scriptures and see what God reveals. So that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Make sure that hey, you, did you, did you call Rose oh, silly? I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um but I hang on, I, I appreciate that, but uh I'd wear a robe. I appreciate what you said, Adrian, and I agree. And uh you know, no one's ever going to find a perfect church. <laughs> you know, it's like the, I forget who said it, but it's like, if you find a perfect church, don't go there. Cause then it won't be perfect anymore. The idea, no one's perfect. So it's like, <laughs> exactly. you, you get as close exactly. to it. And then also like, also we see a lot of people on the internet, um, less now, um, but maybe they're atheists now. Um, but it used to be a lot of people I'd see back in the day who, you know, they were jilted by the church or said whatever reason they didn't go to church, but they were a Christian. And I, I think that's also not great either because, I mean, you know, the Bible charges us, like Paul says, you know, don't forsake the coming together of, of brethren, like some have chosen to do, but um, do so even more um, in these last days. That was 2000 years ago. So how much more now? But I, I mean, I think if someone has this, like this bad idea or bad concept of, of church, they're not going to have a really great idea of God. Um, like if, if you feel like, well, God's good, I'm a Christian, but this church is messed up. I don't need to go to church. Um, things like that. Do you really have the right idea of God? Because the church is straight from God. So, I mean, um, if you find a church that's really bad, that's like not, not biblical at all, get out of there, but find something. Um, but yeah, if you find something where the, the, the doctrine is sound, it's the salvation issues are there. And like you were talking about, like, you know, if, if they have a sermon about the Nephilim every now and then, like every six months. Uh, maybe just, you know, smile and nod, but don't leave the church for it. So, I mean, as long as it's it's biblical sound, maybe secondary tertiary issues, you disagree with some of it, suck it up and go there. Um, it's worth it to be a part of the body of Christ. Um, now, I will admit, church, the chicken ain't cooked right. <laughs> uh, you brought uh, what, up, what, Adrian? I heard something about chicken. I heard church of I, I, I want to women, just... women in the kitchen and get the chicken right. I might leave after that. I I, I, I want to address um, that robe issue because yep. that's that's the reason I started preaching. Everybody know you're not a real preacher if you don't have a robe. <laughs> you crazy, Brad. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, welcome, Brandon. Uh, man, what's up, man? Hey, um, how y'all doing this morning? I have a question about um multiple wives or one wife um well i know multiple wives in the old testament and a lot of people point out there's no multiple wives spoken of in the new testament um was that um i don't know how you say rebuked from by god have multiple wives or is it okay to have multiple wives or one wife or no wife uh, depending upon circumstance as a question uh, yeah, so in the in the Old Testament, and I, I think from what I told, I'm just parroting my my Jewish rabbi friend. I, I believe in Judaism. By the way, going back, starting from the beginning, you can still have technically more than one wife. Um, most almost no one does though, because uh, the reason I forget, I mean, more than one wife. Am I right? <laughs> You're saying, but, I, but but yeah, but I didn't say it. But um, 
I believe in Judaism, you can even have technically more than one wife, just like no one really does anymore because of whatever reasons. But for Christianity, you know, the Bible makes a pretty compelling case. No, the closest you can get to it is saying maybe some people had multiple wives. Um, maybe they were married before they knew about Jesus. Like, who knows the reason? But when Paul says, you know, giving giving credentials for pastors, it says must be the husband of one wife. So the implication is perhaps there were some people out there who had more than one wife. Um, and that doesn't say it was good. Um, it, and it says you can't be a pastor if you got more than one wife. So for whatever reason, maybe there are some people that had two wives. Um, but biblically speaking, no, I think, you know, God, there's one God and there's one church. And that's identifies the bride of Christ. So just like the Bible says, you know, God created them male and female. And for this reason, the man will leave his father and mother and go with his wife and the two will become one flesh. So, there, I mean, there's it's saying it without saying it, I believe that if there's two and they become one, um, you, you have to read into it and make leaps to say, well, now the three will become one. Now the four and a half will become one, however that works. But yeah, so I think biblically speaking in Christianity, it's the bride of Christ, which is the entire church and one God, just like there's one husband and one wife. And Nate, I would add, if you look throughout the Old Testament, all the men... It, it never worked out well, did it? Yeah, as we were going to say, all the men who had multiple wives, I mean, look at how Solomon came to the throne. I mean, David's house was a house of blood. Basically, Solomon rose to the throne. He was the last one left. I think all the other children got killed by the wives. So, I mean, it's, it's not a good look. People try yeah, to make it look glamorous. They try to make it look glamorous. And I ain't going to lie. It's cool. If I got 10 wives, I got one who can cook. I got eight who can go to work. And the last one can be my intimacy partner. But I got all that money coming into my household. You know what I'm saying? But it ain't going to work out. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's ever an example in the Bible. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't checked into it. Of someone having more, more than one wife or concubines where it actually worked out well and where that story ended in a positive way. I mean, there could be some. But I'm not aware of any. And I, I, uh, yeah, man, you want to respond to your that question, man? That's not that's not a good argument though, because there's a lot of one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, relationship that do, don't work out, and you know. Yeah, we'll go back to the first thing I said. But the first thing I I, I hear you saying, so it's like it's like uh, maybe it's not said directly, but uh, you were saying it sounded like uh, maybe it is, maybe it ain't. I go with one-on-one. -on -one. Sound like you were saying that. If you want what I believe is biblically accurate, yes. Okay. Anyone else? Um, all information is, is the welcome. one on one thing. Uh, Steph on the phone. Still. For, his, for his argument, if we look at the if we look at the cultures that do uh, offer you to have the ability of multiple wives, they still do it in India. They still do it in Africa. They still do it in the South Pacific. But many of those people, we would consider them to be pagans, not Christians. Uh, Steph, did you hear enough of that? Would you like to uh, discuss? We're talking multiple. What was the original question? Vegan Chris. What? I don't know who that was. Um, is it permissible? Uh, multiple wives. Um, Christianity, um, we've seen examples in the Old Testament, no examples in the New Testament. It uh, wasn't necessarily refuted, as the gentleman was in agreement to that, but there was a lot of talk about one-on-one -on -one, uh, relationships and marriages. Yeah. Do you think it's permissible to have multiple wives right, so under, under whatever circumstances? Gotcha. Uh, no. 
so we're told by Paul what the uh, what the outline for marriage is, um, and and remember that Paul is writing sometimes thousands of years after uh, these cultures that had polygamy, right? So, like Adrian said, there are, today there are some cultures that still allow this. I mean, we have Mormons in America, right? Like that that, and some Mormons do allow it, some Mormons don't. So I don't want to paint a broad brush, but there are there are plenty of cults and groups in America that advocate for this. This is a universal human phenomenon. However. Um, and, and Paul outlines thousands of years later what the, I, what the ideal marriage looks like. We're talking about one man and one woman and all of this good stuff that we see in the New Testament, right? But then the other thing is in the Old Testament, nothing good happens to these dudes. Like there, there's not really a whole lot of good that comes out of the mistress, the second wife, the situation with multiple. It's, it's just sort of not good. And then we have other elements like the Book of Esther where monogamy is really put up on I mean, we don't know whether Xerxes was completely monogamous or not, but he certainly married one wife, right? And so we have even from uh, even from the Old Testament, we have examples of monogamy where it was acceptable to have polygamy. So not that Xerxes was an upstanding Christian, you know, father, but he was on the side of the Jews in the end. So yeah, we we don't model our modern marriages after these uh, flawed men in the Old Testament. We model them out, model them after the instructions we were given. And let me just have a quick read. Well, well, let me let me read you real fast. The and Adrian, if you're able to do anything to fix your microphone, I, I like hearing hearing you talk, but your microphone is not the greatest. I don't know if there's going to fix that. But well, well, the only thing I was going to well, say, Matt, was uh, Ephesians five really answers all of this. Do you have it there? Are you talking about the whole book or whole chapter? We'll figure out what you want to say from that, and let me read this first while you're digging it up. But to talk about what I was saying earlier, it's Matthew nine, uh, four and six, and. So I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm saying, well, you can go either way, but I'll choose the Bible. Like I said, like, I don't think it's you really have to read into it to try to get another wife. So when Paul says, you know, the the husband must be a wife, uh, must be the husband of one wife. Um, it, you can't just you can read into it that maybe some had other wives. But why was that? Was that they were following the old customs and before they heard about this guy named Jesus? And well, they're, what are they going to do, divorce him? So no. So maybe there was like some holdover. But in in. The other thing I was saying, Matthew 19, 4 and 6, Jesus talks about uh, Genesis. He says, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning, beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, if you're reading the Bible literally on its face, this is what it says. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, not father and two mothers, by the way, but father and mother, and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God is joined together, let no man separate. And then one more thing. Um, in 1 Corinthians 7, 2, Paul talks about, uh, but because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. So, I mean, unless you're trying to just like, you know, play very loose with the text and read that one means like multiple, um, you can't get around that. Uh, but Adrian, do you have uh, maybe a better mic in the Ephesians 5 that you want to talk about? Adrian! Uh, I'm here. I was... I don't know why my mic is bad, but mainly I was just identifying what you talked about in chapter five. I mean, I would say read the whole chapter for context, but verse 22, Paul is addressing marriage and he says, wives, plural, but he's talking to multiple women, submit yourselves to your own husbands. He's saying husbands, plural, but he means both in the singular sense, my wife, my husband, I'm sorry. Yeah. My wife, my her husband, her husband, her wife. Then he says, uh, as you do unto the Lord, but then verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as that's singular, 
as Christ is head of the church, singular, his body, uh, which is the Savior. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit to their husbands. So, I mean, there's nowhere in New Testament. And, and, and let's remember, and I'll be quiet after this, I'm about to start driving. You know, Paul, all the stuff that's going on in our world today, that stuff existed back then. So all scripture transcends time, space, and culture. So no matter what cultural things come up, even if we think it's something new, I mean, a hundred years from now, some kid in New York City who doesn't know about, uh, you know, polygamy may become aware of it, even though it already exists. I think Nate mentioned there's a, a group of people. I think they live in either Memphis, no Tennessee, or North Carolina, and there's a whole commune of people. And these men have multiple wives. There's black men, white men, whatever. They have multiple wives. But in saying all that. Keep in mind that scripture transcends culture, and that is already built in. So if something in the culture comes up, like gay marriage, the Bible's already spoken to it. So we can trust scripture. Um, and as Nate said, if you want to bend it, I guess that's you can do that. But you know, you won't be, be you won't be biblical in that sense. So I'm about to start driving. Thanks for allowing me to chop it up with you guys. Yeah, yeah, glad to glad to have you speak. And yeah, man, I guess that sums it up. I don't think there's anything else we can say unless Steph was going to say something. Steph, I was going to ask, man, if he desires more than one wife. Like, is that? Uh, no, um, no, I don't have that desire. Um, um, I was in that position. My my first wife uh, introduced me to my second wife. Um, and but then my first wife has recently um, passed away a year ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But are you saying at a, at one time you were married to two women? Yes. Yeah. So so we would say that that's unbiblical, right? And that the second marriage is illegitimate. So if your first wife has passed, and again, I'm sorry to hear about that, then then you should probably legally marry the second and not take any more wives. Probably right. Um, <laughs> but uh, if that if if circumstances in my life uh don't work out that way and um maybe it's, it's a cultural thing that might not be the, the result you know what i'm saying it's not like i look for um multiple wives and everything but if my life takes the turn that way um then it may not i don't me personally i don't believe there's anything uh against multiple wives because i don't see as i think a lot of people see it as some type of pleasure thing for the man but it's more like with jesus with the church it's the edification of the woman it's the building up it's the taking care of it's the guidance um and she's the support like the church is to christ and christ is to the church but people keep throwing like you know physical things into the, into it yeah so i mean making, we just you know, little, oh, oh that's that's loud kids crying uh, yeah, I mean, we just disagree. I, I agree with Steph. You know, the Bible right. is clear: one man, one woman. And you know, if you disagree, then I mean, you're free to do whatever, okay. do whatever you want. Um, except if you wanted more than one wife, and wherever you are, America or whatever, I mean, the government would have a problem with that. So before you get to, I, I, I gotta mute that kid. Bless okay. his heart is as loud. Um, but before you had to worry about Jesus, I mean, you have to worry about the government um, issuing you know, multiple marriage certificates. Um, but yeah, I, I do believe it's unbiblical. But real quick to clear up the hey, chat, um. Huh? Nate, I have a question for man. He made a comment, and maybe I misunderstood, 
but he talked about the benefits of the wife. But I didn't hear him mention any benefits, the benefits of having a wife, and I assume he meant two wives, but he didn't mention anything about what about the benefits of a wife uh, as far as her husband or maybe a wife having multiple husbands. Like, what are the benefits for her? Because, I mean, it's not like it's a one-sided relationship. And if I misunderstood, I apologize, man. I don't yeah, I didn't mention well, yeah, anything let's ask about, real fast. Yeah, I didn't mention anything wants... about multiple husbands. I don't know where that came from. No, no, we, we know you didn't. That's the question. Like, And then we uh, can please your Jesus move on. But if a woman wanted more than one husband, uh, would you think that was okay? Or a man can have no. multiple wives. But Okay, so a, a guy can have more than one wife, but women uh, can't have more than one husband. Why do you um, – what would be your reasoning for that out of curiosity? Well, my reasoning is that um, the husband is, is in the place of Christ. As the woman is the church, it's multiple members of the church. There's only one Christ. That was okay. my reason. Well, thanks for answering, and there you go, Adrian. Real fast to clear up. Um, wait, wait, are we? We're not going to go. Oh uh, crap! To... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> what else? What else can we say? Well, hang on. There's a okay. Put a pin in it. That's the one to beat, right? I wanted to clear up chat because, like, these people are like, Jesus is not God. Jesus has a God. The Bible clearly talks about, flip over to Revelation, look at the stuff in red. Like, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, revelation 21, 6 and 7. It says, to those who are thirsty, I'll give the water of eternal life without price, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. So you have Jesus saying, all those people that say, uh, you know, where does Jesus say, I am God, I am God? Revelation 21, 7 specifically, but read 6 and 7. Flip to it in whatever, you know, Bible you have. Um, he says, I will be there, his God and that he will be my son. So there is Jesus saying, I am God, um, as well as I'm the first and the last. I'm the Alpha and Omega, um, the beginning and the end. So Jesus is God. You don't have to believe the Bible if you think it's all lies and just say that. But you can't act like the Bible doesn't say it. It very clearly does. Um, James, uh, before we may continue this madness, apparently Steph's really into. Um, do you have anything to say, James? Would you like multiple wives? I'm good. I'm just enjoying the combo. <laughs> uh, Chris, how about yourself? I would rather put sharp needles in my eyes. <laughs> you know what's wild is uh, because of where I live, I know multiple polygamists. So this is not even out of my realm of, you know, daily life. Do they all go to your church? Uh, no. <laughs> my reformed <laughs> church? No. <laughs> You, you know what's funny? I don't under I don't understand. Your dry how, humor is something else, Chris. I I don't understand how you. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've just always been kind of a. Well, one, I'm the jealous kind, so I don't think I could handle um, a polygamous kind of thing. But I mean, I don't know how you dedicate yourself or commit yourself to more than one person. I just don't know how that works. I'm, I'm, I'd be curious to have that question answered. Well, and no, so that's it? what he's identifying is that he's structuring this. And of course he can talk about it. He's structuring this as Christ being a singular entity is uh, the church is Christ's bride, which has multiple entities, right? So then he's saying, well, that's the way it should be modeled for, for me as well. But that's not, you know, Christ also is omniscient and has a personal relationship with each person in the body of the congregation, right? So even that, using that, using that analogy as Nate is really suffering, it breaks down, right, man? So how, 
you know, how do you fulfill the biblical obligation where it's telling us the, the husband, singular, should lay down his life for his wife, right? Like from what Adrian quoted, we always hear about wives submit to your husbands, but there's not as much controversy about the next part, which is husband, lay down your life for your one wife. So how, how does that function in a marriage of multiples? So it says lay down your life for your one wife? I never read it's that. Sing both are singular. That's what Adrian oh. was describing to you. Husband, ma husbands who are, who are, you know, each of you, there's a group of men, lay down your life for your wives, but both of these are singular. It's not each man lay down your life for your multiple wives. Oh, okay. So that passage doesn't speak about multiple wives. No, of course not. But it, it's because there's different passages in the Bible, right? And so if you're pointing out the one that speaks to speak specifically towards um, a one-on-one -on -one marriage, then of course you're going to say, "She's one-on-one." -on -one. I, I would agree. Yeah, it's one-on-one. -on -one. Are you trying to but, instantiate uh, a biblical idea of polygamy? Well, yes. What? In fact, he's living. Well, Nadisa Nidhi, yes. says oh. something in chat that was interesting. Uh, John the Baptist yeah. lost his head for his biblical views of marriage. Yeah, you're just not gonna you're just not gonna find polygamy uh, anywhere that is going to be lauded or praised. You're going to find stories about how polygamy destroys people's lives, R.E. David and Solomon. Um, that's an entire cautionary tale about why polygamy is du deeply stupid. Well, polygamy didn't actually destroy David's life. He oh, kinda, it did. Uh, took somebody else. No, he took somebody else's wife. Because if you recall in the book of Second Samuel, God actually gave David his wife. I don't know if you recall. Yeah, that. no. Again, so, you're you're taking it out of context. Yeah. You don't know what it means. That's not out of context. It, it is. is clear. You just it, simply it you says, simply don't understand how to read it. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. One at a time. One at a time. So, man, yeah. finish, and then Chris respond. Yes, it literally says, Chris, that God gave David his wife. It's not out of context. It isn't in context. You don't have to agree with it, but it, it says what it says. Yeah. So what is the exact verse that you're referring to? Hold on, wait. Chris's turn. Wait, go ahead, Chris. So what is the exact verse that you're referring to? Um, oh, give me two seconds. Let's, uh, talk, let's talk through the context. Okay, give me two seconds. Second Samuel, I think it's chapter twelve. But um, give me a second. Yeah, that's Second Samuel, baby. <laughs> One second. See, Steph, I had this conversation all buttoned up, nice, and tied up with a neat little bow, and. No, listen. You are ready to let this man walk away, and he he literally said if. Life sends me that way. I will marry more wives. And you were like, "Cool beans, bro." Well, I was like, "We disagree." And then look, look what happened. I said, "We disagree." And then Chris comes in. We keep talking about it. Chris says the same exact stuff about David and Solomon that we've already said, and we we have the same exact discussion we've already said. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess you know, hearing the same thing twice, maybe it'll plant a seed. But um, yeah, I mean, we we clearly disagree with him. Hey, can you hear me better now? I hear you, but it's not better. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, Nate, I think uh, I think in this instance you are C three PO oh. walking in the desert on Tatooine. Uh, no, Adrian, it's not. Just uh, say what you want to say real fast. <laughs> okay. 
Well, what I was going to say was, even his point about David, that means if he's saying that, they, that God gave David multiple wives, you know, one of his wives killed his kids, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm mistaken. So, I mean, never mind. Forget it. I, it it's a ludicrous argument. I let him give me the book chapter. Verse of Samuel. All right, Michael, what were you saying, Michael? It's Second Samuel 12, 8. That's what it is. Second Samuel 12, 8. And I guess you can read the verses around it if you like. Uh, I'm not making an argument, by the way. I'm not making an well, argument. Hold, hold up, man. Hold, hold up. Michael was in the middle of saying something. It's just, uh, it's just something, okay. just kind of, kind of something quirky. I was saying is, Nate, I think you are C-3PO wandering on Tatooine with R2-D2 at uh, this point, you know, and where C-3PO says, you seem to, we seem to be made to suffer. It's our lot in life. That's you today. <laughs> that is today. So, so man, allow me to, to help you out here. So in the context... When he says that, if you go back to verse 7, Nathan then said to David, You are the man, thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel. It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house. So whose house? Whose house is he referring to? Saul's house. Saul's house, thank you. Yeah. And your master's wives into your care. Whose wives? His, Saul's wives. He gave them to David. Saul's right. wives into your care. Mm -hmm. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the word of Yahweh by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have taken his wife to be your wife. Wait a minute. Why yeah. have you done evil in his sight? The two things that he did was you have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and you have taken his wife to be your wife. Those are two abominations that he he did. That's what he did, right. right. And right. have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. But that's so, nothing to do with the multiple wives that he gave him. That's, that's no, but he didn't give him multiple wives. You already said that those were Saul's wives. And he gave he them to into his care. It's not okay, saying he that he gave David multiple wives. It's saying that he gave Saul's family into his care. Okay. Hold, hold on so, for a second. So, Nate, you're telling me that you, this letter... Hold on, hold on, man. Okay, this, this writer, Nathan's Nathan is talking here, and this is a letter of rebuke. He's rebuking David. So what you're saying is David is being condemned because he says at the end, the sword will never depart from your house. This is all going to be a punishment for you. You're saying that men should take this as an example because the end result is there will be a sword set against us. Like, that's stupid. No, first of all, it's not what I'm saying. If you read it in context, you would, I mean, just logically understanding that he said, if if this had not been enough, I would have given you more. And it was it was a discussion that Nathan was having with him because he had taken Uriah's it's, it's wife. That's what David it's, it's, had it's, it's did. A, Wait a minute, a I'm, just, I'm just in the middle of a sentence. Let me finish, please. Go ahead. You, he, he took Uriah's wife. That was the problem. That's what Nathan came to him and speaking about. He had his own wives. God had given them to him. And God said, if that had not been enough, I would have given you more. But you you went and took this man's wife on your own greed and understanding. 
That's what the problem that David had. It wasn't the multiple wives. It was David got greedy and decided he wouldn't take somebody else's wife, killed the man, and took his wife. That was the problem. But you're saying that this whole context is not a letter of rebuke. Yeah, but not for not for multiple wives. It's for taking somebody else's wife. That's what it was about. So, him him so, uh, taking so, Bathsheba and killing I Uriah. Understand, I understand it, but the original yeah. story was Nathan talking about a rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. So he's basically saying there's a man who's wealthy. He's being greedy by taking this one ewe lamb. And you're exactly. saying that, and you're saying that because Nathan used in his illustration, the house of Saul, that that, that part was basically, even though he, that that part was basically giving him his permission to have multiple women. No, listen, I'm not saying about anything about because of the house of Saul. As you just said, he was giving him uh, a parable about a man having a lot of livestock. He was saying you already have a bunch of wives. God gave you th your wives. He gave them not to you. He gave it, you. Says. it literally does not That's say exactly that. That's exactly what it says. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Read listen, it, it takes a little bit. It, I'm, just, I'm not going to try to be rude, but if you just like really try not to fight against the text and read it in comprehension. Sir, you, you are the one fighting against him. the text who has no reading comprehension let, in this case, let, okay? Let me, let me let's take let a poll on me. stage. Who thinks that oh, man you is reading said, this man. correctly? Yep. That, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, the poll... Uh, yeah, the poll that says, yeah, he's wrong is wrong. Like, you just made a case for... If you said, if you use logic, if you just read it, if you do what we've been talking about from all the all the verses we've given you, one man, one woman, one husband, one wife. You logically, prima facie, I mean, you just read read it as it's written. One man, one woman. Like it never says what. Like, yeah, David had a couple wives. It never says what happened to all of Saul's wives. By by the way, right? Like it. Like, wouldn't it be customary they're taken taken care of by like their sons or or something like that or family? Like, is there a Bible verse that actually says what happened? What became of Saul's well, this, wives? Remember that the the monarchy's brand new, so. Like in this well, particular case, Saul's wives were put under the care we see in the verse in verse eight. Right, David. like a charge, not like not like uh, not like a you're my wife, let's go hook up, but like a charge, like a, like you would like it would be a, a king with like a, a noble's daughter that like you know their parents died in battle or something. The king would take charge over the kid, right? I forget the term. What's the what's the term? That's what you're saying though, right? Not like yes, now you go have lots of wives and uh, I don't know. But, I mean, we're talking about the Old Testament. Like, if you want to stay in the Old Testament, like, Jewish customs, like the customs of the Israelites, like, do you also sacrifice bulls and cows and not mix your linens? Like, if you want to talk about before Christ even showed up and said, you know, the whole law and everything is summed up in two commands, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, that sums up all the law and all the prophets. Like, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, you can, you can make lots of examples of Old Testament times of things that we don't do now. I mean, if you want to be an observant Jew, I guess you can. But like I said earlier, there's good reasons why even they don't really have multiple wives anymore. Maybe you should talk to one of them and ask them, but like, well, if I really want to be like David, couldn't I be? And see what they have to say. Um, but yeah, we there's have to be done with this. There's a weirdo attacking Steph in the chat. What's up with that? Which one? There's a couple. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, boy. I could, you know, okay. I, 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 I've been married a, a couple of times. My wife has passed on. But I do understand... I cannot handle two or three women in the same house. <laughs> that that would that would give me a headache and make me want to live up on the roof or in the desert, as the Bible talks about. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure that if Chad had two of me, he would run screaming. But I do want to address the chat because I'm getting multiple, you know. Well, yeah, uh, Steph, I, I wonder, like, why does the entire, um, I guess this guy is speaking for every black person in America. He says the black church hates you, Steph. So, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if some people that we regularly talk to <clears throat> would agree, but he's speaking for every black American in, in church, Steph. Why, what have you done to offend everyone that he is speaking for? Uh, well, his argument is that because I voted for Trump, I'm a fake libertarian and I hate black people, particularly the black church. So, so then I asked if he was here for the conversation, because his entire premise here is that, um, if you, he said that you and I, Nate, were advocating for, uh, that voting for Trump, you must vote for Trump if you're a Christian. And that's what we were saying. Oh, that's, that's stupid. But yeah, right. That's so. Then I asked him if he'd heard the conversation because what I said is, and if anyone wasn't following along, um, I had said, We don't vote for a savior, right? This is the same thing I said. He said, I could use the Bible to demolish your precious Trump or whatever. And I said, But we could also use the Bible to demolish Biden. God is above all that. We know that men are flawed. In fact, when the people were begging for a king, God said, This is a bad idea. And the people were like, be quiet, God, we want a king. And he was like, it's really a bad idea. And the people were like, we don't care. And he's like, here's your king then. Like, that's the position that we're in. And we all as Christians should understand that we're not voting for a savior. We're voting for the least horrible option that's not God because we're asking to be led by men. So that's the first thing. Um, and then I said um, that uh, we were advocating for the idea that God is sovereign anyway. Right. And I had even said verbatim, you could listen to the replay. I know many good Christians who are theologically sound, who I trust, who voted for Biden. And that's what I said. That is where I stand. So why would the black church hate me in particular? And why am I a fake libertarian? I don't know. I, I'm lost at that point. Well, that's fun. Um, yeah, we would never advocate for I mean, yeah, the least the least bad option. Like if, if we say, you know, as a Christian, you must. And then the word vote escapes our lips probably don't listen to that person. Um, if we say, you know, if you want to know my opinion, here's why I think you should vote for this person. Um, you know, not that you're electing Jesus. Our kingdom is not of this world. Um, this, this world is ending probably sooner than later. Um, and yeah, don't, don't vote for people to be your savior. We already have one of those. So our Caesar, our government lets us vote and affect the world we want to live in. So we just try to choose the most peaceful existence and the people that are going to make that happen the best um, and bide our time. Um, people suck is the big takeaway. So no one's going to be perfect. It's definitely going to be bad. But um, who, I, I want to know who, like, I, I never look at the chat, right? I've said this a million times. I never look at chat. But I'm not sure. And, you know, and, and I don't, I'm not even saying this kidding a little bit. I don't know how you think Steph hates anybody. Like, I mean, we, like, like, we, vehemently disagree on a bunch of stuff but that's just weird i mean there are some people that i am not kind to on this app there's a few but yes thank you michael doesn't like me particularly nobody <laughs> likes you chris <laughs> listen there are people in the chat who are listening. Selena said she said the church shouldn't tell anyone who they would vote for. And I think the problem that this person is having is that he doesn't recognize the um, the hypocrisy in what he's saying. He's like going after Nate. This actually wasn't initially a, 
pointed at me. It was pointed at Nate. He's going after Nate and he's calling Nate like a fake Christian because he voted for Trump and then everybody hates stuff and Nate, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, he literally has Biden at 2024 as a PTR and he's saying that that's- It's dark Brandon, staff. It's dark Brandon. It's dark. <laughs> All right, fine. I mean, you know- Just don't put a stand bag in front of him. It's like, can can you not see, Odeon, Were, Durin, that this is, you're making the same- like you're doing the same thing that you're accusing other people of. Now, if you came up and said, look, I don't think that a vote for Trump is Christ-like because of his demeanor, because of how he acts. I think that Biden is more Christ-like because of X, Y, and Z. Then we'd have a conversation. But if you're going to have Biden in your PTR and say that evangelical Christians can't vote for Trump, the only right way to... I mean, you, you see the hypocrisy of what <laughs> you're doing there, right? Yeah, redefine God. He's like, the word you're looking for is hypocrisy. Well, this is the same guy that's been arguing for an hour saying Jesus is not God. And, you know, we've been like, people have been spamming him with the chat of all the places Jesus says he's God. He's like, nope, 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 nope. Jesus says he has a God. Jesus says he's going to the Father. The Father is God. So people have been trying in chat and, and for a long time. People are going to hear what they want to hear. Uh, well, that's the I thing. Just it just comes to, to a level of dissonance. What, Chris? What, Chris? Oh, I just told him to get off the crack pipe. That was my response. Is that a good response? I don't know. Uh, for for the record, I'm just responding now. Okay, I'm Wesleyan. Am I evangelical? I'm, I'm Wesleyan. That's my denomination. There's your answer. Yeah. Yeah, it should be my uh, in the chat. My politician is better than yours. Arguments are cringe. Yeah, I think it should be more like, my, well, it shouldn't be my politician. It should be like the politician I voted for is less bad than the one you voted for. Hopefully. <laughs> So, wow! So as, a, as an admitted outsider, I, I look at it this way: Je Jesus was neither a liberal nor was he a conservative. Jesus was neither a Republican nor he's a Democrat. Jesus is God. Bottom line, he was, he was no. More correctly, he was a socialist. But um, that, that, that's, mostly just trigger, that's mostly just to trigger Chris. Um, but no, for, as an outsider, as, as an admitted outsider, Trump is terrible. Biden is terrible. DeSantis is terrible. Uh, vote for Bernie. DeSantis is amazing. Ew. DeSantis will, will vanquish the Trump, and we will have Florida is America. You mean DeSantis? People, people have got to DeSantis. People, I like him as governor of Florida, but people have got to him. Which he, people when? What people got to DeSantis? Or the, is it like George Soros got to DeSantis Let's and brainwashed the him? Argue. I like put it. his brain in a vat. It's it's my suspicion. No, I don't. I don't think the Soros people. I think more like the uh, the Bush people, like the Republican people. I, I just have a feeling like so you just have a feeling. You don't have any facts to back that up, right? Chris, I'm not trying to prove a point right now. I'm literally saying it's my hunch. <laughs> So no, no proof is required. Let's just, let's just remember this time and this date, I said this and let's see what happens. I mean, he still makes good points, but, um, you know, it just seems like he changed, um, from, from like during the COVID and all that stuff, how he was like a really rebelling against everything. Um, and it seems like he's softening a little bit. I, I hope I'm wrong, but it just, just seems to be like, you know, a lot of the meetings, like I forget, like with the politicians, um, not, I keep thinking McConnell, it wasn't McConnell, I don't think. But it was other people in his ilk, like that have been hung around with him, like the swamp creatures and like the Koch brothers. Didn't they take a meeting with him? And like he seems to be getting chummy with like people in the old like like Jeb Bush, like the Florida politicians that were around Jeb. Um, it just it seems like he's cozying up to them too much. And hopefully I'm wrong. But um, yeah, I don't think it's like the, the Soros. I don't think it's I don't think he'll ever go to that side. 
I think he'll go to like the, the system ingrained Republican do nothing status quo side. Hope I'm wrong. Um, Odio is now saying, quote, speak on your character flaws. Voting for Trump based on political decisions shows a character flaw on your part. There's no punctuation, so I can't quite tell. <laughs> Read it as written stuff. Yeah. Speak on your Read character flaws. On. Voting for Trump based on political decisions shows a character flaw on your part. Speaking on your character flaws and voting for Trump based on. I'm sorry, Odio. I don't understand what that comment means. Oh, speaking of uh, run, run on uh, sentences and no punctuation, um, after uh, 197 pages, I gave up on that, uh, that other oh. tone. Was it full of like, grammatical, error, grammatical errors, too? You only 700 to go. Yeah, well, no, no, it's more like, well, no, like more like almost 900 because it was 1,100. It was almost 1,200. Mm. Anyway, no, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. It was so, it was... Yeah, it was ridiculous beyond reason. Um, Give and, us like the top three, top three big big ones. Um, okay, so so within the first hundred and ninety odd pages, it talks a lot about talks a lot about all kinds of gods from the past. Like it talks about Osiris, talks about Set, um, uh, like all, all these being dog gods. Talks about all of the uh, the battles that have gone on in the heavens over the over the millennia. Um, like it's, it, it's a cross up, like it, it, it reads like a cross up between Dianetics and the Book of Mormon. Like it, it's, it, it's, it's really super weird. Uh, but that was like a, a lot of the early part is all kind of like the tribulation going on in the heavens, plural, um, before anything happened on earth. And I just couldn't anymore. He's still going. I don't know. He... Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was going to write in chat since no one's talking. I guess I'll just say it. How much trouble are we going to get in today? Um, none. Um, well, let's see. American evangelicals. Like I said, there were some reasons the black church despises you American evangelicals. What do you mean by you? Um, your sign was during slavery. Was it, Who was here during slavery? Who owned slaves? Did anyone's ancestors own slaves? My, no, my, my, mine either. Um, let's see. Um, Wait, is know, he saying I'll, I'll, your silence during slit? Wait, is this yes, guy my on silence, crack? my my silence during slavery, during Jim Crow. I also wasn't alive, and your beautification of the most useless American president Trump by saying, "I mean, let's just compare apples and apples." And then, please, if someone there's a lot of people listening, surely there is a better question or comment someone has. Please raise your hand or give us something in chat. Otherwise, I have a feeling this is going to be the topic of the day that no one wants to hear. So it's your fault. You have been warned. I would say if we're comparing apples to apples. Look at, first of all, slavery wasn't around, wasn't born. Sorry. Um, Biden was friends with the Grand Wizard of the freaking KKK and, like, eulogized him at his funeral as a dear friend. He also said, you know, the Republicans are going to put you back in chains. Like, if you want to talk about hypocrisy, if you, if, if you want to talk about hypocrisy, um, let's start there. So, um, you know. Chris, were you yelling at someone, or was someone yelling at Chris? Was were we witnessing I mean, a road rage? He, he's navigating a parking lot. He's good. See, about to, we should have listened to that. Well, I got some holy rage out of him. <laughs> like you want me to move, you move. Oh, anyway, my. Uh, G, what's up, G? Hey, old Nate. How's it going, bro? You good? <laughs> what's up, G? 
Lord, y'all took me back to the nineties. Thank you. I've got a question. Intentionally silent during slavery, and if so, will you now issue an apology for your silence in, in the early to mid 1800s and throughout the whole thing? Well, I did hear him say he had a question. Maybe. Oh, yeah, okay. I do. I did I have a question. Thank you, Lord. See, God answers prayers. What's your question? All right, sure. So I was uh, this other day uh, debating. Uh, about the Bible with one Muslim, and then he brought up this topic about the different codex that we have for the Bible. And to be fair, that was like my first encounter with this sort of argument. I never read about it. If you could, I don't know how much of knowledge you, you have, but uh, throughout the history, we've got different codex, and, and then we have the, this changing of which codex should we uh, used for after the Protestant uh, reform uh, we we have, it it would be good to clarify how was the consensus to choose one codex over the other. What's the difference? I don't know if you have any say on this, because their point is that how can you say that the Bible that you have it's the original or whatever because. There are so different codecs, you know, like, so how, how can you say which one that is the God's word? For example? I love that question. First of all, um, you know, we'll defend our own Bible, but I'd just like to make a, you know, take the log out of your eye before you talk about the speck in your neighbors, unless they also think that part of the Bible's corrupted. But um, the log in their own eye, as it were, would be the many different versions, not translations, straight up different versions of the Quran, peace be upon it, um, before whatever king it was during a battle, uh, like right after battle, like gathered up all the different Qurans and set fire to them. And now they say, well, there's only one Quran. Well, the reason there's only one Quran is because you burned all the others' copies. So um, now let's put that log back in that eye and talk about our stuff. So the speck in our eye would be, uh, we have manuscripts, ba or we, have, we have translations based on different manuscripts and different codexes. So just go to Bible Gateway, pop open a few translations, parallel them next to each other. You'll see like the King James, I think, is based on one codex and like something else is based on other codex. But when you read these these translations parallel to each other, they read the same. You get the same message. You get God's same plan for salvation. You, you get the same information. Like they're not different. Um, that's what I would say. So the best way to test that instead of going back in time is to come ahead in time to the present era. And go look what became of all these codexes and all these manuscripts. Well, now we have lots of translations based on different manuscripts, yet they somehow say the exact same thing. That that would be. And uh, codexsynaticus.org, I think, if someone wants to go there, I think it's, um, I believe it's Codex Sinaticus. Sciaticus. <laughs> I think it's a .org. And would, uh, that, would that be your point of view for translations as well like for example kjv versus and kjv uh hang on one second you, you cut out there for a second but yeah if you go to codex Sineticus, i know there's like four, what four codexes i i think they're all present here um even though it's called just named after one codex i think you can get to all of them from here or whatever but anyways yeah it's codex Sineticus, c-o-d-e-x-s-i-n-a i t i c u s dot org um but you could check that out you can actually read a lot of it like they've um scanned the animal hides they were originally written on so you can uh, take a gander at that and read through it but um yeah codex 
but what was your question? No, yeah, because because my question is like, for example, I was another day having a discussion with Wonas, and he brought up the John 1, uh, 14, I guess, which says like God was made flesh. And but but my NKJV, it's God. Sorry, the word became flesh. The word was not made flesh. And then he pointed me to the KJV version, the translation. And that was the word made flesh. And I was like, mm, interesting, because for me, and, and again, English is not my first language, but for me, made and, and become, it's something different. I was like in a really bad position, bro. Because well, well, well no, it's, it's uh, linguistics. So even, even without going to the Bible, I can tell you right now, the, the word was made flesh. So they're trying to say like some, I don't, they're trying to say like God created Jesus. And that's not all what that means. So I was going to look it up. It's not even necessary. But before you talk, it says the word was made flesh. The ever existing, all eternal, uncreated Jesus, you could say, was made into flesh. I mean, read it as it's written. So if you're trying to read that Jesus is a created being into that, then you're either ignorant of how to read or you're intentionally being deceptive and you know what you're doing and you're a terrible, scummy person for that. So, no, by the, the word uh, you could say became or made, it doesn't matter. When the word was made flesh in King James, that doesn't mean Jesus was now created. That means the Jesus, the ever existing Jesus, now has flesh and blood. That's what made means. Like he was made inside Mary's womb, right? As a baby, as a human. He wasn't created from nothing. He always existed and now became slash was made flesh. So you, you don't even need to go any further than just like middle school understanding. Um, unless they're intentionally like just ignorant, in which you can educate them. Or they know what they're doing is deceptive, and they suck. Yeah, it's so happy that you just said this because that was exactly my argument. <laughs> so yeah, that's weird. Good to know. And let's let's be really clear, right? Like when we're talking about the incarnation, we're talking about a special event. We're talking about the idea that God, in the second person of the Trinity, what we call the Word, He took on an additional human nature. His deity was not fully contained in that human nature, um, but it was added to his infinite deity. So you'll get people wanting to say, like, oh, did God enter his creation? And then you have to back up and say, well, what do you mean by God? And if you're talking about the full essence of God entering his creation, then no, absolutely not. If we're talking about the person of Christ as a, an additional human nature being added to the second person of the Trinity, that's a completely different proposition. So when a Muslim or somebody like that asks you, does God enter his creation? The answer is no, because his essence does not enter his creation. He is simply taking on an additional human nature in the incarnation. It doesn't make Jesus less God, what it does is it correctly states the Christian doctrine. And what verse was that, G, um, in, in the King James? What verse was that, that the word became flesh? 114. If I'm not wrong, John 114. Let me just double check again. And the word became yeah, flesh and I mean, dwelling among us. Yeah, but have they never read? I mean, you just, you just can't get any more intentionally What's a Christian word? Ignorant? Um, like just just read from the beginning. Read the preceding 13 verses. There's no way around it. Like, look at verse three. All things were made by him. 
and without him was not anything made that was made. I mean, I get King James is confusing, but this is not. So even by their logic, if they're saying Jesus was created, then the non-existing Jesus somehow is able to create himself from nothing because if he was made, nothing was made that he didn't make. So if he's making himself, he doesn't exist, yet he's somehow making himself. That, like, that, that, that has no water. Like, that's not even like a leaky boat or a leaking bucket. That's the non-existence of a boat or bucket. Like, the, no, there's just no way around it. That's like the easiest question of the day. Um, gee, I yeah. hope that helps, though. Like, tell no, them, it did, tell, though. It did. Like, like, tell especially, them with all the... Chris with, comments as like, well. Yeah, like, with all the gentleness and, uh, uh, you know... Well, what is it, First Peter, with gentleness and Gentleness and respect? And respect. Why am I forgetting that now? Yeah, so with all the gentleness and respect you can muster, tell them they're dumb and read the 13 previous verses. Well, um, but say it in a very Christian right. Here's <laughs> the thing. This is why. So when people ask us why, like, oneness are not Christian, this is the answer, right? Is the reason for that is because <clears throat> the implication of their belief system is that they believe that God is creaturely. They'll deny it all day, but the definition of contingent is that God is reliant, relying upon something. So if the incarnation, if Jesus is the Father, all of Christian theology falls apart because now God is mutable, because the essence has taken on this additional human nature. And if the essence has taken on the additional human nature, you've now got a change to the ontology of God himself. And this is why they don't have theologians, they don't have people with PhDs in theology, because the minute that you get into graduate level learning about the doctrines of Christianity, oneness is not even a discussion. Like they don't even, like they don't even, like they've got one guy who got a, who got a Cracker Jack PhD and the, this guy, touted as their scholar and they got David K. Bernard but these men are uneducated in Christian doctrine and there's they don't like no one pays any attention to them because it's just a joke and that's that's why I think like it's kind of ridiculous that we have all these these huge rooms about like trying to discredit the oneness theology they do a fine job themselves I, I think we should just leave them alone I mean their 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 theology is so implacably ignorant and so implacably illogical that, like, to even talk to them is a waste of our time. Um, yeah, hey, Saint and brother, I want to get to you in a second, but I see you in Living. I don't, I know we've talked before, but what's up, Living? Do you have anything to say about any of this or anything else? If you're speaking. Uh, yeah, uh, well, not about this topic, but I did have a question about uh, a Mormon doctrine. That they appeal, sure. they, they try to find. Well, they use the Bible to support it, but baptism for the dead. And they go to First Corinthians fifteen, verse twenty-nine. And the context is that Paul is talking about teachers who are denying the resurrection, and then he stresses the importance of the resurrection and what it means. Then in verse twenty-nine, he says, "Otherwise, what will they do who are baptized? Otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead?" If the dead do not rise at all, why then are they baptized for the dead? And I don't know what this means. I don't even know what that is. So how do we understand that? You know, how do we understand that, Chris? Yeah. 
So yeah, so there's there's a bunch of theories about this living. There's not like one straight answer, but it seems from most of the information that we've been given and looking at church fathers that this was a particular practice in the early church that kind of fell away because of doctrinal issues with it. Um, that basically people would die before becoming baptized. And so baptism was seen as an extremely important symbol. They didn't believe in baptismal regeneration, by the way. They just believed in baptism as a very important symbol. And so what they would do is if somebody had died or what they called in the first century fallen asleep um, before they were baptized, then people would volunteer to be baptized for that um, person who had died. Um, because it was such an important symbol for the church and for the family um, that uh, they wanted to do that symbol. And again, because of the confusion that caused, the practice was stopped fairly quickly, um, right around 75 or 80 AD is the best we can tell. Thank you for uh, sharing that background. But while you were saying that, my question is, well, if it was just an early tradition, I mean, how did it make it into the Holy Scriptures? Um, well, because Paul was writing in 53 AD. So this was just a, you know, that, and, and, and it doesn't seem like Paul has a big problem with it. Like he's not saying like quit baptizing people for the dead. It was just a, a tradition that had grown up and um, it was not corrected. So that's why it's hung on for so long. But then as people thought about it, even though there were not any prohibitions in the scripture against it, um, they, they, it just simply was too confusing and, and they, they dropped the practice. I have a great contrast and comparison. Like we were talking earlier today, like where it is in Christianity in the New Testament, does it specifically prohibit multiple wives? Just like what Chris said um, for this. Perhaps it's a tradition that when people thought two seconds about it, it kind of went away or died out. Or maybe before people ever heard what Jesus was, who Jesus was, they had multiple wives and they, you know, were like, oh, Jesus is my savior. And, you know, they didn't divorce their wives. I mean, but, you know, as as that generation died, um, people thought about it. They read that, oh, man shall leave his wife. God created them male and female. So the man shall be join his wife and two shall become one. So while polygamy is not expressly, you shall not have more than one wife. It says it in every possible way without stating it. Um, just so I, I would liken that to this, how it was a tradition that just fell away when people thought two seconds about it. Anyway, I would liken it to that. Thank you, you guys. Give me some things to think about. So that's always confused me like years. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And hey, dude, I still owe you an essay and I'll, I'll send you one here soon. But um, the. Uh, the other, I'll, I'll, I'll see, I'm driving right now, but when I stop, I'll see if I can send you some of the resources I read up on this because I was similarly confused, um, just like you are, because I was like, what the heck is this about? And so I'll send you the resources that I read that kind of gave all the different views. Cool, I appreciate that. Thank you. Of course, if you have anything else, yeah, let us know. Mr. Saint, happy Monday. Are you speaking? Three, two, one. Brother, brother, what's up? Uh, nothing much. Uh, I'm enjoying the room. It has gotten, in my opinion, much better and everything. I only had one thing to say about the politics and uh, 
you know, we're Christians are ambassadors of Christ. And, you know, years ago I had went to go clean carpet and we entered into the German embassy. And when we went in there, we were in Germany, even though we're in Georgia. And uh, so since we're ambassadors to America, we're ambassadors of heaven. You know, we have like a dual citizenship here. And then that an ambassador of heaven gets to vote in America. Well, if the ambassador of heaven began to vote against uh, the way they would vote if they were in heaven, you know, Christ would recall that ambassador and send a different ambassador. Sure. And as I said, whenever I say things, you know, that's usually what happens. People get quiet. Well, because we're all thinking about it. Hey, by the way, if I end up being not muted, Nate, can you keep an eye on it and mute me if I'm... Yeah, it, uh, we will. It sounded like you're in a bit of uh, perhaps... Uh... A tiff with someone in a parking lot. You're like, oh, you want me to move? I'll move. You move. What was that no, about? No, it was, my, it was my landlord, and 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 I was like, oh, hey, I'm like, you know, trying to leave, and he was trying to pull in at the same time, and he's like 84 years old, so he's like, well, I'm like, okay, so I gotta pull all the way up, and I'm like trying to get my car pulled up because I just parked for 10 seconds to grab my laptop, and he pulled in at that exact moment, and then was like honking his horn and was mad at me because I was parked basically in his spot and I was like dude I'm not just trying to explain to him and then and then he's like oh and then I got this client I want you to go see and I was like oh okay well that's fine I just you know so it was just the whole thing I didn't realize it was unmuted and the glare is sure, on sure. my screen so I cannot see any of you guys right now all I see is a black screen no problem no problem um well I don't want to use the bible for my uh cudgel but um maybe I'll walk up to that line so um Okay, Odie, I get it. Haha, ha, you, you hate us. We think we're a bunch of white devils. Um, get your racism check a little bit. Like, you know, back off a little with the white American, white American, white American. We get it. You don't like us. Um, I don't know what happened in your life, but, you know, I guess on behalf of all white devils everywhere, we're sorry. Uh, but check your racism a little bit. I think we put up with enough. Just chill. But you say we're lucky you're at work. Um, so thank you for blessing me by working. Um, I have handled Trumpers like you. Am I a Trumper because I voted for the guy? Um you are a small fry. I will disgrace, disgrace you with the Bible and common sense. You misspelled a lot of that. Um, but you're at work. Um, let me just, as a brother in Christ, maybe, hopefully, I don't know what you are, but uh, Colossians 3, 23 and 24 states, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as a reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. If you are working, and I have no reason to doubt you, maybe you should tune out Clubhouse and work diligently and hard because you're working for the Lord and, and do good and stop taking away from your diligent work by fighting with people in clubhouse. So I don't know if that can be some edification for you, brother, but um, maybe work for the Lord and stop fighting with Christians on clubhouse while you're at work. Back to you, Steph. On the phone. Hey, Sean, what's up, Sean? God bless you guys. How you doing? Anything on your mind? Uh, no, just listening to your, your wonderful conversations. Hey, I have another question. Sure, she. So, uh, 
yesterday I was like debating with Jews and I, I just don't get it. I don't understand. For them, how come the Messiah it's, doesn't have a divinity power or is not like close to God? Or Because for me, looking through the whole Old Testament, it's so clear. For example, when we go to Daniel's chapter 7, 13, it's going to describe the Son of Man that comes with the clouds of heavens and, and it's going to describe that he was worshipped, right? And for him, he got were given authority, glory, and sovereign power. I don't understand how come they can dismiss the Son of Man being worshipped when only Yahweh can be worshipped or only Yahweh can have glory, right? Can I don't know how close you are with the Jewish uh, uh, teachings and tradition, but could you please just try to, to guide me through of their thinking because what they use what's their, their arguments to to dismiss that the son of man or or the messiah does not have this uh divinity you know what i mean um let's see if i followed you so they can only worship god jesus shows up and people worship him therefore the people worshiping are saying he's god so why did not the other jews worship him is that is that where you're going? No, 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 no. The question is why, when they read Daniel chapter seven, they don't they don't understand that the Son of Man or the Messiah is God, because for them the Messiah is not God. Oh, off the top of my head, I actually don't know. I need to go look at Daniel chapter seven. No, no worries, uh, Chris. Do you have an well, interim answer? So, so yeah, I would I would ask Rabbi Uri. He's a good resource, but basically, like. We're dealing with authority here and so when you're talking about rabbinic jews they're not deriving their authority from a direct reading of the scripture they're deriving their authority from the conversations surrounding the interpretations of those scriptures in the, in the uh, talmud and so when you're dealing with rabbinic jews appealing directly to the scripture you might as well be appealing directly you know to you know the sun you know that like it's just like, why does the sun have rays? Well, let's look at the sun. It's like, they, there's not, you're not, you're not getting to the root of what's going on, and the root of what's going on is that it's it's an it's a discussion about authority and where authority is derived, rather than, well, look at this particular interpretation, and here's my interpretation because, from what I understand from rabbinic Jews, none of that matters to their tradition. What matters is going to be. What what is the what is the tradition going forward that makes them uniquely Jewish? So trying to argue from the scriptures with a rabbinic Jew is just not going to be super effective. So you're saying it's like non-Christian or um um, um <laughs> non-Christian? You don't consider Catholics Christian? Uh, it's like non non-Christian Catholics. <laughs> I messed that up halfway through because you don't consider Catholics Christian. Uh, but yeah, uh, so it's like Catholics have their tradition. Catholics have their tradition they put in part of the scripture you're saying yeah that that makes sense the Talmud would be the deferment so yeah I, I think that I mean I think that's the answer because if you're appealing to Daniel 7 I I get that but yeah then they have their other tradition equivalent in the Talmud they appeal to right and, and so we're dealing so like rabbinic Jews are also not super interested in discussing the theological implications of scripture because it has nothing to do with being Jewish. Like, 
do you understand what I'm saying? So like when I've had conversations with Rabbi Uri, people will be like, well, you know, was Moses a real person? And his answer is it doesn't matter. And the reason it doesn't matter is whether or not Moses is even a real person. And I'm using an extreme example that he used. Even, even saying Moses wasn't a real person has absolutely zero bearing on Rabbi Uri's Jewishness. You see what I'm saying? It's not a truth claim. And, and the, the mistake that we make as evangelical Christians a lot of times is that we see the Bible as truth claims, which is true. Like, I don't disagree with that. But that is not how other traditions see the Bible. So specifically, rabbinic Jews are not looking at the scripture as a series of truth claims. They're looking at the scripture as a common denominator as to what it means to be does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I got it. Yeah, especially when you see like a Jew uh, alongside with a Muslim, both of them fighting the Christian. That's so funny. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that, you know, I, I think, and I, again, I think my friend, the rabbi, would find that particularly distasteful because, again, to him, it's not about whose theology is correct, he doesn't care. And I think this would be the position of most Jews, and, and I could be totally wrong. I'm, I'm not saying I'm speaking for Jews here. I, I, I would never do that. But I think what I've learned from my friends enough is that fighting about theology is just going to be distasteful because it's not getting at the truth of what Jewishness is to, to a Jew. Okay? Like, does that make sense? So, like, having a theological like. Rabbi and I have theological discussions all the time, but the but the the root of it is never going to be I'm right, you're wrong, and let me show you why. It's going to be like, okay, well let's let's talk about your tradition and let's talk about my tradition and where do they compare and contrast. And that's going to be a much more fruitful and interesting discussion with a rabbinic Jew, I think, than look at these verses and I'm going to use this as a series of proof texts to show you where your tradition is wrong. Now, as somebody who loves my friend the rabbi, do I pray for him to to come to a knowledge of, you know, Christianity? Sure. But I also know that God is sovereign enough where I don't have to convince him. I don't have to argue him into the kingdom. If God is going to reveal himself to the rabbi um, in a way that I would say is Christian, um, then he's going to do that, and I don't have to do anything about it, except for be Rabbi's friend and love him. Got it. All right. I have another question, but you, you guys can go, unless you, you don't have any more questions. Oh, I think my PTR is stirring up more uh, controversy. What's Goat saying? Like, it's even explained. Monica fixed it for me. Like, it clearly says that. Yeah, G, go ahead. Dad, don't say her name. That's just going to make him angrier. Oh, why? Do they know each other no, or something? There's a whole thing. That's probably the reason. Go what? Goat, did Monica tell you to come in here? Is that why you're here? What happened? What's the story here? I don't know any of these people. You're about to find out. Yeah, you're about to find out. This is like conservative clubhouse. I don't know what that means. It's like people who talk politics I mean, we have a Bible. religion. Well, I mean, I know what that means, but I mean, clearly it's, it's not like all conservatives read chat <laughs> um but you know gee what's your other question and then i actually may have to run i've been here too long yeah norris bro so all right so again 
another discussion with Muslims and, and they brought up this uh, Isaiah 13, which is uh, the proclamation against Babylon. And, and that says that God is going to lift up like a banner on a high mountain, raise up a voice, and, and, and is going to command uh, his sanctified ones uh, to, to do like a set of actions against the Babylon, right? Against the Babylons. And further down the, further down the chapter, one of the actions or maybe the consequences of that action is like the, the killing of, of children and rape of, or rape of women. Uh, and then their point on the discussion is that how come God commanded, uh, command such a, a terrible thing? And, and then our defense was that God did not command this. Uh, that is just the consequences of what the Babylons, uh, they were doing in that day. But I just wanted to hear your point of view. I don't know if you're familiar with, with Isaiah 13, we can read, but their point is like explicitly, no, 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 on the verse three, I have commanded my sanctified ones. It's God commanded uh, the, uh, the Israelites to go there and kill and kill babies and whatever, right? So how would you, how would you see these? Uh, I, I would well, say the send them back to third grade because they didn't <laughs> Yeah, this is the it's one who is disobeying God, right? literally talking about the Babylonians in verse 3. No, that, and, and to be honest, that's, that's our argument as well. Like, we went to the, we went to the Hebrew version of the Bible. Did, did, I mean, it didn't say Babylon, but the KJV and NKJV uh, says, like, Babylon on top. So, like, verse 1 is going to say, like, the burden against Babylon which Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw. So that's where they picked up, like, the Babylon stuff. This is literally a prophecy about how, like, God is going to use a pagan nation to destroy Israel because he's, un he's displeased with Israel breaking the Mosaic Covenant. And this is the same thing in Isaiah 10. I will command the king of Assyria... You will destroy my people, Judah. And then later on in, in Isaiah chapter 10, and by the way, king of Assyria, I'm going to fully hold you responsible for destroying my beloved people, Judah. So it's like, wait, he commanded the king of Assyria to destroy Judah, and then he is holding the king of Assyria responsible for destroying Judah. It's interesting. Same thing here is he's telling, by the way, king of Babylon, here's the, all of the atrocities you're going to do to my people Israel because they have disobeyed my covenant. That's, that's what this is talking about. I just don't understand like how they could read this out so out of context. Pastor Mark posted something. Was that Isaiah 13 room? There's something going on about an hour. Maybe it's a replay. He posted something in chat. But well, yeah. Uh, my time is done. I have suffered enough today. My reward in heaven shall be great. <laughs> um, sticking around, stuff for Chris. Should I end it? Yeah, I can't mind. All right. Go in peace, people. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Have a good one. <laughs>